if you find yourself with the same incurable curiosity as us, this is a place for you. This is Spiritual Smorgasbord with Cheyenne and Desiree. We interrupt your regularly scheduled season two for Not A Brahma. Yeah, I didn't see that coming, did you? Nope. But here he is. Here he is. So imagine a man with dreads and harem pants and cacao. Cacao. Like you're, you know, when you think of like a enlightenment kind of spiritual person. Wandering, light being. Yes. You would picture not a Brahma. Yeah, you would. And when you hear the name not a Brahma, you would picture not a Brahma. <laughs> I just, I didn't, I can't picture him before he was not a Brahma, like the program in, in LA, the, obviously the trauma that he had to go through. Yeah. Like his story is very, very cool. Right. What got him from there to here mm -hmm. is an awesome story. And here he is now a healer and someone who works with. Strictly with the divine forces. Yeah. Yeah. And he's a devout, um, is it Harry Krishna? Is that, is that what it is? Uh, I just say he's a devotee of Ram Dass. There That's what That's I was true. comfortable with it. Yes. Um, yes. I got to have a healing session with him just like you did. Yes. I did. Uh, I got I some energy got work done. Yeah. Yes. Not while he was in town. Yeah. And I talk about it too because it, yeah. it was, uh, I was like, whoa, yeah. this is some next level. Mine was after the episode. Yours was before. Thank God because, I mean, yeah, I wanted to let everybody know that immediately when he started working on my shoulder, he started speaking tongues. And right. that's the <laughs> healing circle that I want to be in. Right. Yeah. Let's speak that divine language to me and get this <laughs> nod out of my shoulder dude i don't right. know why this is here <laughs> exactly you know i don't know what's happening mine was i don't know what's happening with me but i got some stuff that needs yeah. to happen and he's like i got you don't worry I about it you. don't worry <laughs> yeah here have some alkaline water and and like he says it's it's not that he's got you he's like i'm gonna hold some space so you got you Oops. i'm gonna let yeah. you take care of yourself <gasps> And, and that's exactly what happens. Like he holds this space and you do get to take care of yourself. And why you can't just do that on your own? I, don't know. I mean, you can, but you can. he just, he just really helps to facilitate that for you very nicely. The best healers are the ones that teach you not to need them. Mm, and I think, true. and I think that he really does a good job fitting that description. He's like, Hey, if you, if you need anything after this, like, let me know. But, you know, I'm going to let you do your thing. And, mm -hmm. you know, just know that you're loved and you're always welcome here. Right. And there's not a lot of people that act that way or right. feel that way or can stay on that frequency of unconditional love all the time. So. Absolutely. And he's now, when you guys hear this, he's going to be in New Mexico. Yeah. So look him up and, you know, go have a session with him. But he's not in Wichita, if that's where you're listening. Yeah. <laughs> he's not here anymore. He left. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, enjoy Not A Brahma. Let us know if you have any questions and feel free to check out all the links in our Patreon at the bottom. Enjoy. Okay, Desiree. Hey, first off. Hey. But um, we have kind of a 
cool ass left-handed turn for season two that I wasn't expecting. Yeah. Well, we we planned season two, and it was going to be great, and it still is. Gonna I mean, be great. it's still going to be great. Yeah. It's just going to be different than what we thought it was going to. Well, be. we're just adding we're adding someone in that needs to be in season two that we didn't even know when we pre-planned it. Right. So when you talk about like divine intervention or you know whatever you believe in that comes in and sets you on a different course, it happens all the time. Yeah, here we are. It happens to us on season two. Yeah, it's very true. Yeah. So what was it like? Forty eight hours ago, you sent me. Well, I saw a post that said, "Hey, I'm going to be in town for a few days. If you want to do some energy healing, just reach out." And I was like, "Hey." You know, I've seen Nada on my timeline for a little while, and I've been wanting to get in to see him to do some energy healing. So I'm going to reach out to do that. And then I thought, wait, if he's actually in town, why don't we reach out to put him on the podcast? Because he's the real, real. Yeah. And so then I was like, hey, Cheyenne, check this dude out and see what you think. Should we bring him on the podcast? So the funny thing about that is Nada Brahma actually popped up on my, like, people you may know. I don't even know how long ago. But, like, immediately I saw his picture and I was like, It was the friend. picture of, like, the dark and light. Well, like, no, like, his profile picture was okay. on the people you may know on Facebook. And okay. it's, it's your profile picture now. It's you playing guitar in some beautiful play. Where is that at? Um, one of the parks around town in Riverside. Okay, cool. Then it's yeah. here. That's awesome. Yeah. And I was like, I don't know this man, but I want to be his Facebook friend. Right. And then he's nice enough to not have a private profile, so I can be like, deep dive down into his stuff. <laughs> so I, I don't know if that was like over a month ago, but yeah. I'm also really bad with um, checking out like my friend request too. So then Desiree mm. sent me your profile again, and I was like... I'm pretty sure that I've like already looked at this guy's Facebook. Like I know he's the real deal, but I didn't, I never really thought that I would meet you. Mm -hmm. So then, um, I was like, she said, do you want to reach out to him or do you want me to? And I was like, I want to reach out to him. <laughs> I got it. Yeah, I got this. So I was like, Dibs. yeah, I was like, I was like, Hey guys, um, hook a sister up. <laughs> so then I messaged him and I mean, like he, he responded back immediately. Um, with like, this is interesting. <laughs> yeah. Like, let's talk about coming on your podcast. So within, you know, the next morning, I think you called me at like 9am. We were on the phone for, I don't know how long, but I was like writing all of his story out. Like, oh my gosh, <laughs> this is so good. I can't wait to share it. Yeah. Time um, stopped. To, and, well, yeah. I'm still unpacking that. <laughs> still unpacking that. But to introduce you, your name is Nada Brahma. But you have a full name and then a translation that um, you really need to share with everybody. So take it away, Tell Nada. Tell us who you are and and why we were so pulled to you to bring you on our podcast. Oh, well, that's a big ask right there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Humbly, let's start, please. Let's start with yeah. the name. <laughs> we'll start with the name here. Uh, Nada Brahmananda Das is the full name. Um, I go by Nada Brahma because that's a mouthful. Yeah. Uh, but Nada Brahmananda Das um, is a Sanskrit name. Um, das means servant, and Ananda is bliss. Brahma is the creator god in Hinduism, and Nada is sound. So it translates to servant, um, to the bliss of God's sound. Oh, that's beautiful. I know. When he told me that on the phone, I was like, oh, God. <laughs> so beautiful. And they don't know this yet, but he's going to do a little guitar and singing for us later. And, I mean, that seems pretty appropriate. Well, because it's... It's really appropriate because usually I pick music at the end of every episode. Yeah. And then I was like, hey, I usually pick music. And he's like, oh, I would like to sing. And I, I was got like, you. Uh, <laughs> okay. Yeah. 
like, yes, you should do that. And then, um, not to fast forward to my session with him that we're going to talk about earlier, but he played guitar for me during our session. Yeah. Because you've and had I'm the still, pleasure I'm of I'm still unpacking session. that. I'm I still unpacking it. I still haven't. It. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> and you're only in town till like January. So I'm like, I hope I come back in town in time. To have a second one. To have a second one <laughs> before you leave. Because <laughs> that was amazing. Yeah. But before I get too ahead of myself, um, tell me about before you were not a Brahma. Like what, what led you here? You mean you weren't born not a Brahma? Uh, well, it depends on how you look at it. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I don't, I don't need you to like, tell me like you're you know, whatever. Like, I don't need that. But like, tell me about, um, getting married at 19. Okay. So and it was a dark and stormy night. It was a dark and stormy Um, <laughs> yeah, uh, got married at 19 for reasons, um, unknown and, uh, ended up leaving Wichita where I grew up and, uh, moving to Virginia and, Working, you know, lots of construction, electrical jobs, working at the Nabisco plant, Philip Morris plant, all those fun things. A traditional human life. Yeah. Yeah. Just the the nine to five. That's what you do. You get married, you take care of your family. We all understand that. I was a hydrodynamics technician, which was a fancy term for I worked with pump and well systems, Mm. which means I was literally frequently knee deep in shit. And, um, Talk I, about a message from spirit, right? And I, I, I didn't really like that, you know. <laughs> uh, I wasn't I wasn't a fan. Um, so um, a lot of these jobs were rural, and I would spend a lot of time in cars and trucks, and just um, I'd bring along these manuals with me because I knew I needed to do something different. I was like, I don't want to do this, like, because um, I skipped college, had the option to go to college as full ride. Just decided, no, I'm not going to do that. <laughs> I'm going to work construction. This is great. I'm going to get married and work construction <laughs> in Virginia. Seemed like a good idea at the time. Right. Um, but I was bringing these programming manuals with me in the truck. So I taught myself, you know, I'd been making websites since I was like 13 or something like that. So I taught myself all these programming languages and ended up, you know, long story short, getting a corporate job um, as a programmer. And that led me down a path of building apps and websites and, uh, through advertising agencies, through entertainment in LA eventually, and then um, to my own personal heart of darkness. Mm-hmm. So um, the entertainment industry really brings it out in people, I think. Uh, Do you think it brings out their shadow side? Um, I think it is the shadow side. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that, <You know? laughs> that's a really good way to put it. You're absolutely right. I've but, seen it take know. a lot of good people. So I understand what yeah. you're saying when you go there. Yeah. So, and they, they really abuse, they use and abuse people in that industry. Mm-hmm. And I was on the end of that abuse and, um, you know, I was working frequently 68 hour weeks and I was just really stressed. I was, you know, taking, if I was on a deadline, I was probably eating Adderall during the day and smoking cigarettes to take the edge off and pounding Red Bulls and espressos. And then I get home immediately load a bowl and a stiff drink and then, probably several other stiff drinks after that mm-hmm. and then pass out probably maybe taking a Xanax to get to sleep. Right. Not a sustainable way of living. Um, but what are you going to do when you have those deadlines and you have like all the responsibility, right? You know, like you I, put those vices right now in, my life, in there. Sure. Really? You're going yeah. home and taking stiff drinks and crushing no, no. Adderall? No, no. <laughs> Just checking the deadlines. Yeah. The deadlines. <laughs> I get the deadlines for sure. Yeah. Well, but you know, these deadlines even is, 
as hard as it is for us to maybe see this sometimes are all self-imposed, right? Absolutely. So um, what I needed, I needed a way out. And I had always been attracted to Buddhism, but -hmm. had been afraid to meditate for at least, you know, 10, 15 years or something, you know. So you've been attracted to it and knowledgeable about it, or at least... As knowledgeable as one can get by reading books, yeah, Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, which some would argue is not knowledgeable at all. Right, right. (laughs) But I at least knew what things were and what they're called a little bit, Mm -hmm. you know. Um, I knew the basic instruction of, you know, shamatha, like mindfulness, meditation, um, but I still didn't do it, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and it wasn't until this, you know, I was reaching this breaking point in LA that, uh, I think what did it actually was Mr. Popper's penguins. <laughs> that's how I'm thinking of it. Interesting. <laughs> I love <know>? it. <laughs> we all Mr. have our way. Mr. Popper's penguins. Is that, I think a Jim Carrey movie or something. I don't remember who I don't it know. is. Oh, uh, it, yeah, it was, it, it's, okay. it's uh, probably, yeah. I've never seen it by all accounts. I'm sure it's a terrible film. Maybe <laughs> actually, no, I, I take that back. It could be a wonderful film. It could be the best <laughs> film of all time. I never saw the damn thing, <laughs> mm-hmm. but I did build the website and I was building these stupid games where you like, I don't know, you throw things at penguins or throw penguins at people. I don't remember what it was, but I just remember just having this existential crisis as I was coding this thing. I'm just like, I am so stressed out. My body is breaking down. I am like miserable and it's all because of Mr. Popper's motherfucking penguins. <laughs> right. And, and I was like, why the fuck am I doing this to myself? Yeah. Did it annoy you that you had a job that paid you enough money, but everything you were doing was completely meaningless? Absolutely. I was like, you know, I have these skills that are, you know, by most accounts, you know, highly valued skills. And mm-hmm. what are we doing with them? Mm-hmm. I'm creating Mr. Popper's penguins games. Yeah. You know, I'm creating, you know. So you go from shit to shit. Yeah, it's just, it was just complete, you know, I, I would, I would fantasize about, you know, well, maybe I could go work at a nonprofit and really use this technology to support a good cause, but I'd go looking for jobs and like, there was nothing really out there that I could find. And, you know, maybe I didn't look hard enough or maybe it just wasn't aligned for me. I think, I I think maybe it think wasn't your too. purpose. I think ultimately that's what it was. <laughs> it was like, that's not, I was, that served a purpose in my life and mm-hmm. my, my matrix identity years. Mm-hmm. Um, but once I finally um, dove into meditation, um, you know, I f- what I found underneath was just this anxiety, <laughs> this undercurrent of anxiety. Mm-hmm. And I, I hadn't really been experiencing that as much as stressed as I was. I don't think there was any room for anxiety. Right. It was just stress, you know, yeah. it was just, and I was go, 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 go. It was, and you had all those vices that you were trying to suppress this anxiety. That's true. Yeah. yeah. So I had definitely abused cocaine and methamphetamine and just about it, taking everything that yeah. I could find. Mm-hmm. Um, my one saving grace is that I was always afraid of needles, so I never <laughs> got into needle drugs. Yeah. But that is such a blessing. Well, I also blessing. saw what happened to Kurt Cobain when I was younger. Like, I watched Nirvana Unplugged, and then I'm like, heroin got you? I mean, like, <laughs> a shotgun technically got you, but, like, heroin drove you there, and then I got into Alice in Chains right after, mm-hmm. and heroin killed Lane Staley, language, too. Yeah. Yeah, Nirvana, Nirvana, and Alice in Chains. Like that's where I started. Well, yeah, I named my dog Nirvana, and it wasn't after Buddhism. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but just how yeah. you're like, oh, let you know, let's go and be curious around all of these underground things. And then I'm like, would I ever do heroin? I'm like, no, yeah. The like the voice in my head that I've conversed with my whole life that like now we have a relationship. They're like, you remember what it did to Curtin Lane? I was like, yeah, that sucks. Okay, no heroin for me. <laughs> Got it. Thanks. <laughs> so I totally understand that. 
You're like, yeah. yeah, I'll try that. No, I'm not. It's not even the needles. It's just what I saw, what it did to a lot of my hair. Well, I did heroin. I just didn't put it in a needle. That's well, that's fine. But like <laughs> I, I saw what it did to them. Yeah. And I was like, I can identify with like their madness and their creativity. Like the, yeah. the isolation that you have to have to, you know, bring that out on you. Right. And I think that they struggled so in-depthly with obviously not being balanced, but being around right. people, being used by the industry that we were talking about, and then feeding that constant unworthiness that everybody tells you, and then that loneliness. Like, if it's a cup, you're filling it with heroin. And you're like, yeah, I can go on stage because I just took this drug, or I just drank this alcohol, or I just did this. And I was, I was in fourth grade when I was first, like, introduced to Nirvana. So then even in fourth grade, I was like, he's so sad. His music's so beautiful. I love his voice, but he's so sad. Like, my heart breaks when I listen to him. And that's where, like, that journey began. So I love that you brought them up because those are my dudes. <laughs> right on. <laughs> mm. So you're a programmer and you hate it and you have a bunch of vices and you know you shouldn't be doing it. Yeah, at that point... Um, uh, it wasn't, you know, I'd, I'd abandoned most of the heavier vices. Mm -hmm. Um, it was more the alcohol and the cannabis and, and, uh, Adderall and things like that. So do you I, think there's a proper way to recognize if you're using marijuana as a crutch versus just kind of having it as a plant medicine type thing? Oh, for sure. I think it's all about intention. Yeah. You know, like, are you, reaching for something it could be it doesn't have to be a medicine it could be you know a tv show or a person you know or a food like what what's my motivation behind this desire is this a healthy desire like what is it rooted in mm -hmm. i do a lot of that kind of introspection it's been very helpful for me mm -hmm. i'm there with yeah. everything even <laughs> with my food even today when I built my smoothie with my spirit team, I was like, why are we putting this in there? Like, it's cold outside. You need pineapple and mango, Cheyenne. I'm like, okay, we throw in some hemp seed in it. They're like, no, strawberries. I'm like, all right, what's our base? They're like, aloe vera. Throw some cranberry in there. Yeah. Get a little kinky. Is that all what right. you wanted? I knew I needed somebody else to tell me what I wanted this morning. Okay. I literally have Who told not. You? Well, um, they're like, I just call my spirit team the right they. now. Yes. Yeah. The, they, the, the up they. above. Yes. Yeah. Like uh -huh. I just talked to all of them and I, I recognize when it's my higher self, yeah. but then like when I'm reaching to like, I believe it's the ascended masters at this point and I'll like call uh -huh. out to them. I'm like, okay. And I mean, don't even get me started on Kali cause we'll get there. Mm. But, um, yeah, this morning I was like, I'm so weak. Like I hit a wall this morning. I know I have to go in and record and I am like, my spirit's overly ecstatic to be here, but I know that between like my session with you and then being with um, my in-laws all weekend, which I had such a blast, but I, this morning I usually wake up and I have no problem with waking up. And I literally felt like I, I did a bunch of bad stuff the night before and I was like waking <laughs> up and like, I could mm. just feel that I wasn't like <clears throat> taking care of my body the best. Like I was eating, mm -hmm. like I went and like had a breakfast pizza from Casey's you know, and then like they, they catered in Chinese food and stuff like that. And I can't eat Chinese food cause I'll die. So I was like, I know oh. I didn't feed my body properly. I know I've been drinking a lot of water. I haven't had any time by myself, no meditation, no yoga. So like, I already knew why I felt the way that I did, mm -hmm. but also like with everything that I went through with you a couple of days ago, I think it was a couple of days. I don't even know what day it is right now. I'm just glad I made it here. <laughs> um, I knew that I was like, guys, I really need your help right now. And I don't have 
Like I don't have enough time to like make the meal that I want to make. So what can we put in this smoothie to like revitalize me? I love how vague you're putting that to everything you went through with me a few days ago. Everyone's just like, what? Yeah. What is she talking about? Like, I'm just like building out the suspense. (laughs) No, it was, it was our session and we'll get there. But so then, um, like I made this, which is great. It's got, um, aloe vera, cranberry, it has a little bit of cane sugar because the strawberries always make it a little tart for me. Pineapple, mango. And I threw a bunch of couple other things in and I was like, okay, I'm going to drink the crap out of this. This is going to be fine. And then you walk in and you're like, hey, I made you what you're about to tell me what you brought. And I was like, does this man know that I'm like, I need some replenishment from some plant medicine? Because <laughs> he's like walking through. He's like, this is this is what's in this drink for you. And I brought it for you. And I'm like, <gasps> and even as I started drinking it, I'm like, I, I feel so good right now. I'm not like high or anything. He didn't like sneak some shrooms in unless you did. Thank you. No, um, not this time. Not this time. I'm like, I, I feel nothing from it. No, so but I, 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 I just realized like how depleted I am. Yeah. I'm like, okay. So then literally he brings it in and I'm like, did you know? Did you know that I would just be like, I would never claim to really know much of anything. So I just do the things that I feel like doing. That's Mm -hmm. all I can say. I don't want to give you credit. I'm totally crediting Kali behind you, but yeah, I mean, (laughs) yeah, please get credit somebody, not me. Mm -hmm. Um, So what is this delicious drink you brought to us? uh, And can I get a refill? Little little tree branch. um, (laughs) This is a cacao elixir. Um, It has, um, ceremonial Mayan cacao from Guatemala and what else does it have it's got I put in some uh, golden milk uh, mix from these local I know who you're talking about guys leaf and stone mm-hmm. plug them because they're amazing yeah they I use I use all their them. essential oils and their magnesium spray wait so the, so the spray that you were spraying on me during our healing session was that also from them no, those I make those myself. Okay, because but they make I, some great sprays. Well, too. I I buy their sprays, and when you're spraying me, I'm like, do we go to the same place? <laughs> I've known those brothers for several years, at least. I think. Well, you're from Wichita, so you probably know a lot of people that I'm just coming around to meeting now in the last <laughs> couple of years. I'm like, do you know this person? You're like, yeah. <laughs> uh, maybe I don't know. <laughs> yeah, no, I think it's great that we go to the same place because you're right. Um, they they just opened up a place like down on Douglas. I think they said. And it's not that far from my house. Oh, they opened it? Good. I'm pretty, yeah. The last time I talked to them. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And they'll be at the holistic fair too. They Mm -hmm. go there as well. But Mm -hmm. they just told me that they got a place open and they do delivery. Nice. So maybe to save myself from not buying out the whole store, I should buy online (laughs) and make them deliver it to me. Because when I walk into a place like that, I'm like, I'll take one of everything. Thank you. I'm sure they wouldn't mind. Yeah. Yeah. I know they wouldn't. (laughs) And I do want to support them because I I have uh, just their magnesium spray alone has just helped me. Yeah, and I go to them a lot if I need a particular thing. They're um, really knowledgeable. You're like, hey, yeah. this is where I'm at in life. Can you recommend something for me? they'll craft individual solutions for you as well. Mm-hmm. So that's that's one of the things that this I This is the perfect plug for, for them. Yeah. Because I, I don't think they realize how much I love them. Well, I do get a cut, so it's... <laughs> oh, that's funny. <laughs> <laughs> Snap! Uh, that's awesome. <laughs> thank you so much for this refill. Yes, thank you. So... I don't know if Cheyenne told you this when she met with you, but we tree branch a lot. Yeah, that's the point. It's supposed to be like a coffee talk conversation. Right. Or the cacao talk conversation. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I don't drink coffee, but you're right. Yes. When I first moved to Virginia, I did not have a car and I lived in the outskirts of, um, of Richmond in Henrico County and, um, didn't have much to do. I didn't have a job yet. 
And, you know, I spent my days mainly going to this uh, public library so I could walk down this, down this road, like through the woods um, to, to a library and I could use the internet and I could um, read their VHS collection and um, all their books on psychedelics and consciousness, Buddhism and all these things. So that was what I was drawn to at the time. Read all the, you know, the Castaneda books, Don Juan. And yeah, that was really inspiring. So um, that kind of, that planted a bunch of seeds looking back that that was, you know, I was, I was very drawn to that stuff. And then I kind of, kind of put it aside. Mm-hmm. Um, Alexander Shulgin, that was another one that I got into at that time. Um, but, uh, you know, fast forward to LA, this is about, you know, maybe 10, 12 years later. Um, and I started meditating for the first time and I actually, you know, I get, I'm pretty good at routines. It's one of the good things about having kind of a neurodivergent OCD type of configuration is that I'm really good at, you know, doing, I'm really good at developing bad habits, but also really good at developing good habits as well. <laughs> so, yes. so when I'm, when I'm aligned and I'm tuned into myself and I remember who I am, it's actually quite a gift. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, immediately, you know, it's everyday practice. I'm living in this, um, two bedroom apartment in Echo Park and, you know, I, the only place that I can find like a clear place to meditate, you know, living with two kids and a wife, um, is, uh, there's a landing between, it's a two, two story kind of townhome, right? And there's a landing between the two flights of stairs. So I just sat there with my meditation cushion in the morning at the wake up before everybody in the house would be quiet, you know? Um, and amongst the, uh, the backdrop of LA horns and sirens and <laughs> the, and the crackheads outside and the cops like I've heard on more than one of occasion uh, the LAPD roll up and go through their megaphone and say stop smoking crack <laughs> like, right in front of our building it was great and you're like are they talking to me I, was like, I, was like, I'm not, I swear I'm not a crackhead I'm not a crackhead uh, <laughs> but yeah anyway so I found this little landing where I could meditate in the morning and I established my daily practice and what a I, great place to really dive into a meditation practice it really was I mean, I mean, First, if you can et- meditate among cops saying stop smoking crack, well, just, you can do it. Just the <laughs> sirens and yeah. everything. Mm-hmm. Like, right. you're waking up so you don't, like, your wife and your kid don't get into your meditation, but you describing, like, oh, yeah, yeah dude, you're and, in and L.A. there's, like, a rooster across the street for some reason <laughs> that was just always, like, always. all times a day. Like, it had no, because it's L.A. and it's it's rhythms are probably totally screwed, yeah, you know? Absolutely. <laughs> but, so um, you've got city and country happening. I Absolutely. <laughs> it's a great mixture. Um, and, and, you know, I, I remember asking one of the meditation teachers back then, I was like, look, I'm sitting down and like, it's noisy where I live. I live right on Alvarado street. It is one of the noisiest intersections in this area. There's a lot going on. And he's just like, well, you know, when you hear a sound, thank it for reminding you to be present. And I was like, oh, okay. So I guess the point is not to block everything out. <laughs> right, right. Wow. Okay. All right. Cool. So yeah, anyway, I ended up um, diving into Zen practice um, shortly thereafter that. Uh, but before that, actually within three months of beginning to meditate, I had quit the job that was stressing me out so much. And I realized because I don't have to do this anymore. I don't have to do this to myself. There are other jobs out there. Immediately got a much more lucrative job where I only had to go into the office two days a week. You know, and yeah, from there, it the the work just became progressively easier mm-hmm. and more lucrative mm-hmm. um, until 
I reached a point, you know, um, my second wife had, had left me and I was at the depths of my depression and anxiety. It really just kind of like bubbled up at that point. So that undercurrent of anxiety that the meditation had revealed had just completely overflown over overflowed at this point. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm in a position where, um, I have to do something. I have to do something else. Um, my back starts hurting as I'm meditating and I'm like, okay, well, I need to do something about, about this pain, right? So what's, what's, what am I going to do? Yoga. That sounds like a good option. Let's do that. See, I would have just bought a different meditation pillow. <laughs> I tried that first, you know, <laughs> I tried the bench and the cushion and yeah. the chair and like, okay. Not knowing it was, you know, my trauma coming out, I would have been like, oh, oh I mean, I, I, I was pillow. there. I went through that. I was yeah. skipping that part, but I totally did. I, mean, I yeah. bought all the different meditation things. I was like, okay, none of these are fixing my back. So right. I have to do something about it. I'm not going to be able to purchase my way out of this. Yeah, um, exactly. So. What a great line to say. Right. <laughs> I totally get that. I'm like, this pillow? I felt like Goldilocks with like meditation practice tools for a while. Yeah. I'm like, I have everything in this room I could possibly need to heal myself. Yeah. Now I have to sit down? Yeah, now I have to actually work. Oh, it's terrifying. Yeah, you've got the hand rolled Tibetan incense. And yeah, like, you know, the, I have the, the, the mala beads that were made out of 108 <laughs> prayers. I had right. the oils. I had the crystals. I took a nap today and I cuddled with a selenite tower because yeah. I was like, if anything's going to heal me right now, it's my selenite tower. And then I had like a huge piece of blue calcite because I was like, you have to talk today. Don't let them know you're tired. <laughs> so uh, my nap was amazing. Awesome. But I totally understand that don't purchase your way out of stuff. Yeah. So I'm glad that you brought that up. <laughs> I mean, you can totally purchase your, I mean, you can try. Yeah. You know. <laughs> you can, but you're going to have a state sale after a state sale. Yeah. yeah. Consumerism thanks you. Yeah. <laughs> Why not? Yeah. <laughs> I like so, all those things. They're great. Yeah. yeah, I do too. But if it's preventing me from actually sitting down and doing the work, that's <laughs> that was a new awareness I that I got into. Shoes. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> so don't purchase your way. Sit down. Face yourself. That's that was that was my message that I got. They're uh, like, you gonna okay. sit down yet? Or are you gonna buy another crystal? I'm like, I'm gonna buy another crystal. Yeah. You know, this meditation would be so much better if I had a different uh, mat. Yeah, I think that's what I need. I'm going to go yeah. to Amazon right now and find yeah. meditation mats. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Um, there, there's a huge consumerism in the spiritual community that awesome. I found mm -hmm. either through the way that they market westernized mm -hmm. yeah. yoga and self-healing yeah. versus, you know, you see these very enlightened beings in these really um intense positions and like they sleep on dirt at night like they have nothing well and mother earth provides everything you know we transfer our ego when we go into the spiritual world we'll transfer our ego from um consumer mm -hmm. into oh i'm this new spiritual being and we drive our ego into being a spiritual being and mm -hmm. oh i don't consume and oh i don't so it's you really just have to check that ego all the time and like you were saying earlier about um, I can't remember what it is you were saying, but I remember I heard what I heard was, you know, you kind of have to check that ego and make sure that why is it that I'm doing this? Why? Oh, is the it desires. I'm, yeah. Why yeah. is it? Why do I have this desire? Why is it that I'm doing this? I'm is getting it, goosebumps as we talk about that. Yeah. I mean, I, I feel that, um, you know, early on in my path, I looked at desire as something that um, that needed to be cut away. Mm -hmm. And I've come around to see that desire is actually a really good thing. It is really all about intent. When you have a intent. desire, you follow those desires, and it'll take you to where you want to go. Um, there is there are renunciate paths that take a different approach, but we're all here in the West, right? Mm -hmm. And we're not renunciates. Any of us that 
because pretending I, to be renunciates or I, mean, I don't want to paint too broad of a picture. It, right. For me personally, I went through a period of attempting renunciation and I was mm-hmm. fooling myself. Because ultimately we are here to be humans. Right. Like we may want to be choosing this spiritual path, which is amazing, but we're still humans. Right. And we can't step away from that no matter how much we want to. Right. Exactly. So, um, you know, in, in, in bhakti yoga, um, we have the, the deity of Hanuman and he's known as, um, the fulfiller of healthy desires. So yeah, you know, let me get that charm. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. So, but he, you know, he is personally like he is a renunciate, but you know, he is known to fulfill the desires the healthy desires of his devotees. So that, that shows us that, okay, there's another option mm-hmm. here. There's another option that we don't have to like cut away these things that we want mm-hmm. that behind every desire. There's, there's some kind of true, um, true voice of our heart that's speaking. Um, the problem is this world is designed to um, give us lots of options to try to fulfill our desires, but never satisfying them. Right. So, okay, I have, a, I feel like I have a, a craving for for sugar. I have a sugar craving. Most people are going to reach for a soda or a piece of candy, but um, what I would invite people to consider is like, what what am I? What kind of sweetness am I missing in my life? Mm. that I'm reaching for. Maybe I just need a piece of fruit. Maybe I need a piece of fruit. That could be it, you know, but maybe there's something deeper. Maybe Mm -hmm. there's a sweetness that's missing. Mm -hmm. Maybe there's like a, like the nectar of the mother that I'm, you know, that I'm um, starving myself of in some subtle way. Mm. That that is beautiful right there. Well, it reminds me of a saying, I can't think of who says it and I hate when I know the saying, but I can't credit um, but it says, peel, peel the layers of your habits back to find what's underneath. And when I read right. that over and over and over, what'd you say? I said, right. Oh, I thought you were like, <laughs> I know who that is. Oh, um, no, when I started peeling the layers of my habits back, that was, it was like a level up for me. I was like, why, why do I want to eat this food? Why do I want to smoke this cigarette? Why do I want to smoke this joint? And getting like weed out of my everyday life was a really big thing for me because I don't think it was a crutch. I was just so used to like always having it. And since I'm always like, when I came home in order to like fit into my house, (laughs) I would be like, I need to go smoke a joint. (laughs) I just need to like level out. So when I was like, Mm -hmm. Oh, that's a habit. I have to pull away from it. What's under weed. And now I'm sitting here levitating <laughs> I, I found out what there was actually like it is a suppressant and that was really really hard for me to accept that weed is a suppressant um, because I don't ever want anybody to think that there's like a negative connotation but like you said earlier you can be addicted to anything well it's always in our relationship to the thing it's never the thing yeah mm-hmm. and I believe that marijuana it. is a plant medicine I would never demonize it but for me and like when I sat down and did my meditations I was scared to connect with myself at first And it was the stuff underneath that I didn't want to connect to, but it was also like not believing that I could connect to the higher power still based on others' core beliefs that became my core beliefs. So breaking myself over and over and I came up to the door where it was like, when you walk through this door, there's no marijuana over here. I'm Mm. like, I don't want to be sober. (laughs) I don't like, I don't like sobriety. Uh Let me, and it's, and it's not because... You know, I'm not like an addict or anything, but I, 
I have a really high energetic output. I'm well, too much for a lot a of people. Deeper level of intoxication available. Yeah, there is, and yeah. I and I have explored it, mm-hmm. um, little by little by little. But pulling that away from me, like, if my friends are listening right now, they're like, Shine doesn't smoke pot every day. <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> That's crazy. So that was really big for me. I mean, I I put it over in like the recreational pile is what I'd say. Like if I go to a concert, hell yeah, I'll hit that. But that was one of the biggest things to get out of my life. And I, I think I could compare it to people who like consistently drink alcohol, not from like an alcoholic standpoint, but just like get off work and have a few beers consistently. Right. And then they don't drink anymore. And over like the 30 day process, like your, your eyes are clear, your thoughts are clear. Right. Like just consistent, consistent, consistent. Because but at the same time, there are shamans that are highly effective at using alcohol as a medicine, as a sacrament. Yeah. So mm-hmm. it's it's your relationship to that. Thing, Absolutely. You know? But the clarity that I got from it was something that I, I mean, I had built such a great relationship with marijuana. Like that was my mother plant mm-hmm. in a way. So to break away from her was really, really hard for me because I was going to have to be sober all the time. Mm-hmm. So that's when I started getting into... Um, like herbs and really diving into aromatherapy and anything that I could do to supplement the fact that I didn't have that crutch in my life anymore. Mm-hmm. And yeah, like I wake up all the time and I'm like ready to go, but I, I'm like, you woke up to meditate. So go do that and then take on the world. <laughs> yeah. So I'm glad that you brought that up. You're pulling, you're pulling a lot of stuff apart for me today. Oh, wonderful. <laughs> Cheers. <laughs> <Salud>. <laughs> So I promise we're going to get to how you started your meditation practice. <laughs> oh, I'm in no rush here. Yeah, <laughs> yeah we have we're all just day. flowing here. Yeah. Okay. So Buddhist meditation, I tech, I understand that. I understand what pushed you to this. Mm-hmm. So like how far am I jumping ahead if we talk about like your Kundalini awakening? Like where, how far are we away from that right now? I, you mean from this moment or from like in the, <laughs> the in narrative? The, in the story, I'm like, are we still in LA? Okay, yeah, we're still in LA. So, okay, okay at this point, I'm getting into yoga, right? I'm right. getting into yoga to address my back pain. Right. And I quickly realized that most of the yoga that's being offered is not resonating for me. It feels like an aerobics class. And that's not what I was looking for, even though maybe on the surface it seemed like it was. Um, I found... You know, I sampled many, many, many different teachers, but I really dove into that. This is what I call my monk phase. Um, I had, you know, I had shaved my head and I was wearing just like gray clothes, like shirts and and shorts, right? And flip-flops. It was like my monk outfit that I just wore all the time. No labels. Oh, no labels, no logos. Just kind of, just, uh, yeah, really minimal. Just didn't want to do anything to this form. Other mm-hmm. than, you know, the being very drab and <laughs> it suited my internal reality, I think, as well. But um yeah, doing doing asana practice, you know, at least five, six times a week. And um I finally found a teacher that um introduced the class by saying, you know, hey, the reason we're here to do this is to prepare the body for meditation. And that's when it clicked for me. I was like, Yes, this is what I'm looking for. He was coming from the Shivananda uh lineage. So, which is a more traditional kind of Hatha based practice. And, um, it was, it's slower, more intentional, a lot more breathing. And that's exactly what I needed. But unfortunately, uh, it started to make my back pain worse. 
And so that, you know, that expanded the healing path at that point into, you know, I was, I was doing breath work. I was doing, um, working with body workers, um, just trying everything I could plant medicines to try to get to the root of this. And then, and the first, you know, really intuitive body worker that I worked with, she hit a place on my right, um, my right leg. And all of a sudden I was flooded with just this knowing that I had been violated as a child. I had been deeply violated as a child. And that was the source of all the pain in my body. And that just opened up an entirely new path of healing. I was like, okay, I'm no longer trying to work on my back. I'm trying to root out this trauma, trying to discover like how I can heal this trauma. And it was a trauma you had known before. I had no that awareness point. of. Yeah. But it was still trapped in your body. My body remembered. Yeah. yeah. And through many, many years of of uh, primarily, you know, plant medicines and body work and different uh, energy healers, I was able to uncover the depths of what had happened and mm-hmm. to begin healing that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So would you say you were unhappy? that you found that out? Um, it just kind of blew my mind. Mm-hmm. You know, I wasn't, I wasn't emotionally attached to that story. Like there was nothing, it was like it happened to someone else because, you know, the mechanisms of, of trauma, especially in a child, it's mm-hmm. very effective at just like encapsulating, mm-hmm. you know, these traumas. And, you know, from the shamanic perspective, that's what they call soul loss. Mm-hmm. So you lose all these different parts of your soul. They're not really lost, but they're kind of like sequestered away mm-hmm. um, and, until you can fully deal with that, which is usually much later in life. Well, and it wasn't a story that you had lived over and over again, so you didn't have the attachment to it in that sense either, right? In what way do you mean? Well, um, I can imagine that a child who is traumatized at the age of five and mm-hmm. lives that trauma daily for till they're 16 and finally go to counseling, they have some mm-hmm. emotional attachment to that that maybe you didn't Right, find. yeah, yeah. And, and that seems to happen, especially when it's earlier on, when it's mm-hmm. really young. There's mm-hmm. just an automatic mechanism that kicks in and, like, there's no memory of it. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just like, the brain's just like, nope, we're not going to remember this. Mm-hmm. Blank, mm-hmm. delete. Right. You know. Right. Even though it doesn't technically delete. Right. It's kind of in a password-protected directory. Yes. You know? <laughs> That's a really good way to put it from a programmer. Yeah. <laughs> Was it something that you could go back to people and verify that, like, hey, yeah, we do remember this, or you didn't need that? Um, no. No, it was not. Yeah. It wasn't something. But, you know, what, what's been uncovered is, is undeniable at this point. Yeah. You know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So what was the path um, that you went through? to heal that then once you discovered it well I, you know i was trying everything i could throw at it yeah. <laughs> you know um but um you know what really happened in one of the seeds that was planted in um finding this more traditional style of of, of asana of yoga was um, the seeds of bhakti of devotion and of chanting and um at that point I had begun, you know, I had experimented a lot with psychedelics as a kid, but never with any kind of intention or prayer. Um, More for fun. Just <laughs> honestly, it was to escape and, you yeah. know, just to 
to party with friends yeah. and things. Mm-hmm. Will you tell um, me the silo story really quick about how most of the acid going out? <laughs> yeah. So it, it as when I was growing up as a teen, um, most of the acid in the country, from my recollection, was being manufactured in a missile silo in Kansas. I believe there's a Vice documentary still on YouTube somewhere about this. So it's, really? You can, I, you can I have look to look, this up. Yeah, I put Vice. I haven't had time to look it up. But when he told me that, I was like, oh, it's, my it's some years old, the documentary, but it's probably out wow. there somewhere still. Um, and th- when I saw the documentary on Vice, I was always like, I thought that was a fake story that everyone just told me when I was growing up. But it was actually that's what was happening. Yeah. Yeah, it, it's quite a story. But anyway. Uh, hmm. So there was a, there was a lot of acid in which duck in. It was super you know, cheap, and it was really really cheap. Mo- yeah. I had many friends that that sold acid, so you know, uh, it was around, right? Yeah. Um, so I had a lot of experience navigating like those spaces, um, but um, I revisited this like in a healing context at this point, you know, during my monk phase because, you know, I I I got some mushrooms and I just started sitting in prayer. And holding space for myself and like taking intention um, and really putting my intention into the medicine and had a series of experiences that um, that really, really shifted things quite dramatically for me. Um, I would say like w- one of them, um, I'll talk about my, my passenger first. I'm sounding a little bit like Dexter now. She's not a dark passenger though. My passenger. Um, yeah. See me smiling so big. I'm like, oh, this is interesting. My second page of notes, nada. So at what at one point during one of these one of these experiences, I had an intelligence enter my body, and it was very obviously a not human intelligence, um, and it, because it didn't quite know how to work the physical form, and it was almost like a performance art piece of you know being like manipulated like a marionette almost kind Hmm. of kind of feeling but um i had enough presence of mind to record on my phone at the time so i have this recording of what i was saying and i was repeating over and over and over like i am a woman like for she was like she was really being clear that like this is i am a female that's speaking (laughs) Mm -hmm. um and i'm not here or i'm meaning me at this point there's a lot of there's a lot of fuzziness here because the the tense kind of and the pronouns i suppose kind of shift around but i am not here to ask the questions i'm here to help them remember i'm not here to ask the questions i'm here to help them remember and you know in in really the feeling that i was left with from that message was that you know I had been seeking quite a bit leading up to that point. I'd been seeking, I was trying to figure out how everything worked. You know, mm-hmm. I was diving into sacred geometry and like earth history and, you know, all of these. Anything metaphysical, basically. Basically, yeah. yeah. You mean, were trying I, to find answers. I was, you know, yeah. I was just, you know, basically watched everything on Guy TV I could get my hands on and, mm. and reading and just constantly like trying to figure it all out, you know. Nothing wrong with that, but that's, right. that's where I'd been at. Yeah. Um, and this this message was kind of like bringing my awareness into the fact that I don't I don't need any of this information. That's not why I'm here. I'm not here to have this to figure out how it all works. Mm-hmm. Like I'm here to show up in service, to be of service, and specifically to help foster the remembrance of other of people. others and mm-hmm. myself. Right. Yeah. Right. So, um, yeah, that's. Uh, 
yeah, and that was my, I'd come to over the years, I kind of like got more familiar with this presence and call her my passenger. She's my other, she's so my Andromedan this, sister slash lover. I was just going to say, so, is it, is it like a, an Andromeda or Palladian or that type of energy? Yeah. yeah. Okay. She's my sister slash lover. And according to her, that's very common from where we come from. So <laughs> remember the first time she said that, she was like, don't be freaked out. <laughs> 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 like okay well cool kinky all right <laughs> i know because anybody listening is like did he just talk about incest and we're like no it's celestial don't. incest yeah it's celestial okay. the laws don't apply up there yeah and a lot of you know i'm not even gonna get super into it but there's a lot of limits in humans if we haven't noticed that by now so again well, so still some people are into it yeah well but I mean, human to human, that's face. probably not a good idea. But like when you talk about celestial energy, I completely understand that. No celestial kink shaming in the space. No. Well, I was trying to think of, oh, I can't even think of their names right now. But um, it's a brother and sister, maybe around Egypt or something like that. Or maybe it's Greek mythology. Um, but they are like mythologically, they're like twin flames, but they were physically incarnated as brother and sister, but they were in love. And back then you did have inner relations with your sisters hmm. or brothers or whatever. And some jealous person came in and killed him and cut up his body and dispersed it all over the earth. So she would never be able to reconstruct his body or his energy again. Oh, are you talking about Osiris? Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. Yeah. So then she roamed the earth and put his body back together and resurrected him from the depths of Hades. And that is like one of the most twin, most in-depth twin flame stories that I've ever found. Mm. And it's one of, it's one of my favorites because I'm like, mm. dang, girl, <laughs> you, you crossed a lot of barriers to get him back to you. Yeah. <laughs> but that's one of my favorites because yeah. it you're right like the celestial wise like when i was reading the book i was like they're brother and sister that are in love this is weird you know like my mind wasn't there yet i was like okay whatever and you kind of like put it to the side but when you bring up your co-pilot i'm like now this makes total sense to me no no shame over here i totally get what you're saying <laughs> uh so did your co-pilot come in after your kundalini awakening I, you know, time you is really weird. want to do this I know, time. Time. You're asking me to, to I'm literally looking time judgments here, and I'm not naked to do in that. a kitchen mushrooms. Like I just, I'm like, we yeah, can't. Well, you're you're skipping ahead now. I don't know so. where we're at, and it's okay. We don't have to do <laughs> linear time. I, I never but know I'm where like, I'm at. Um, <laughs> but but I think in terms of the linear narrative that I'm attempting to dance around, um, okay. Yeah, we're we're probably around that. Yeah, naked in the kitchen. <laughs> so this is my favorite story. <laughs> it really is. <laughs> so uh, yes, I, I, another evening I I, I uh, have gathered in ceremony, gathered myself <laughs> and the mushrooms in ceremony, and I. Um, I guess I'm hot and I take all my clothes off. So I'm standing naked in my kitchen and I, um, I pick up this, uh, this mala off of my kitchen counter and it was a mala that I got from a Sri Lankan Buddhist monk at a festival. So for those listening, a mala is a bead, a, a necklace ba rosary. basically. Yeah. yeah. 108 beads usually. Mm -hmm. And, um, which is actually where they get it in the Catholic tradition as well. Mm -hmm. um, Catholic, Catholic, 
Yeah. I don't know what Catholic mm. <laughs> Just go with your transmissions. Yeah. We'll yeah. figure it out. Uh, anyway. <laughs> Praise <laughs> Jesus. Uh, I, I pick up this mala and I start going, I had never done this before. I had to have had awareness of that this was a practice called japa, like the repetition of mantra with a mala. But I, I don't think anyone ever showed it to me. And I'd never done it before. But I picked up almost automatically, naked in the kitchen stand, and I started going Om Namah Shivaya, Om Namah Shivaya. And each repetition, I'm moving one bead. And I start to feel weird. I start to feel a little weird. I'm like, okay, I, I need to go sit down. I'm going to go sit down outside. So I walk outside. Naked. I'm still naked. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I'm <laughs> in, my back, in my backyard. Um, and I sit down on the back porch behind my kitchen and I'm feeling, I'm starting to feel this energy come into my body and it's just really intense, probably the most intense energy I've ever felt. And it was, it was so intense that it made me physically leap into the air. And I was, uh, just, I, w- I would say, I'd call it ululating <laughs> to throw out an onomatopoeia. Um, I was gesticulating wildly, ululating <laughs> and, um, speaking in tongues and like making these like crazy mudras with my body and it's nothing that I was trying to do. It was all happening quite automatically. I had enough presence in that moment to realize like whatever this was, it would not be a good idea to fight it. It was something that I need to allow to happen. Let it flow. Yeah. (laughs) And that's, that's, so that's what I did. I tried to get out of the way as best I can allow this thing to happen, whatever it was. And I ended up collapsing in the grass and uh, going through many iterations of this cycle. I don't remember how many, again, time being quite weird. And um, at, 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 and then it, it kind of died down and I'm laying in the grass, right? And, and I'm kind of sinking deeper and deeper like into this voidal space. And I'm like letting go. I'm watching like, watching slash kind of sensing myself getting rid of these attachments and they were like different roles that I was letting go of like um okay here I'm letting go of being a father here I am letting go of being a programmer here I am letting go of being uh of being a human right of of all these different roles that I that I had um, had in this life um and the lat then I realized there was, oh, I was letting go of my family. I was letting go of like the like music that I liked and all of these things about myself, all these ideas that I have about who I thought I was. And finally, I realized there was like one left, and it was the big one. It was like letting go of having a body. So I let go of having a body, and then immediately pissed myself. So I'm laying in the ground like naked, covered in piss, and sinking deeper and deeper and deeper <laughs> into this void. And it's like, it, I remember. I don't mean it was, to laugh because it is relatable. Oh, it's hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, you know, the metaphors are just endless here. So, yeah. <laughs> I don't in dirt have a piss. body, only I do. <laughs> I'm like, yeah. oh my God. He says he doesn't have a body as he's covered in dirt and piss. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but you're observing it at this point, right? Right. Yeah. And, and my observation, that witness consciousness is sinking deeper and deeper and getting further and further away from the things that I usually identify with. Mm-hmm. Of, and, and especially the thoughts. Mm-hmm. The thoughts start to sound like they're way, way up 
at the surface of like, it's like I'm at the bottom of a dark pool and the thoughts are all up at the surface. Like they're getting muffled. They're further away when I still hear them. And I'm like, Oh, this is hilarious. Like, I don't even know who's thinking these thoughts anymore, you know, because I remember the thoughts going like, Oh, this is means you're enlightened. Now this is exactly how Buddha and Christ felt. And I just remember being like, Oh my God, this is ridiculous. You know, (laughs) (laughs) this is, this is absolutely ridiculous. Um, and eventually, but eventually, you know, I, I floated up to the surface again and it became like a normal kind of mushroom journey, you know? So Um, you said I was an octave of my consciousness that came in to do the work. So yeah, my, my, my perception of that event and that kind of, it it continues to kind of deepen over time. Like the lessons that I received from, from these experiences and the, the knowledge that's kind of revealed. But, um, my understanding of it is that a different octave, a higher octave of my consciousness came into the body during that experience. That um, the octave of consciousness that had been the programmer and, the, you know, the, the uh, drug-addled raver teen and <laughs> the DJ and the alcoholic and all these the things. The successful ego in you. Yes, was, yeah. was no longer needed. That octave was no longer needed for the next phase of whatever this vessel is, is charged with doing. And another octave was brought in for the rest of the story, mm-hmm. or at least the next part. Mm-hmm. That was my favorite. <laughs> I love the Kundalini Awakening story. Yeah. Where do we go from there, though? Like, Well, shortly after that, I believe, actually, this is probably, okay, so we're going to backtrack again, I think, because it's all related, right? <laughs> um. And I don't even think I got when I got this this far with you last time. Um, <gasps> Exciting new stuff. Uh, oh, new Cheyenne. stuff! I don't even know. <laughs> yeah. So I, I mentioned bhakti yoga and getting exposed to that, mm-hmm. and um, I uh, this brought me to Shakti Fest, Shakti Fest, and Joshua Tree. Oh my gosh! Yeah. You're like reading off of my bucket list right now. Oh, stop okay. it! <laughs> so, um. Yeah, the first time I went to Shakti Fest, um, it was great. I brought my daughter. We went glamping. I bought a Bell Ten. It was like an amazing experience, but it was it was great. Um, but uh, you know, I had the one of the yoga studios that I had frequented. <clears throat> I told um, one of the girls that worked there uh, that I was going to Shakti Fest. Is like, oh, you have to check out this guy's breathwork class. His name is Michael. I don't remember the rest of his name. And I was like, cool, noted. I will go check that out. And this is just one of those cool examples of how spirit can just like give you, lay out this path for Mm -hmm. you. And it's just like, it seems so haphazard the way that it works. So I remember, okay, Michael, breath work. Let's do this. Okay. So I, I find a Michael that does breath work. And I go to the breathwork ceremony and it's like 200 people and we're breathing in this room at the Joshua tree. What's it called? Joshua tree retreat center or something like that. But this, this place was actually designed for breathwork back in, I want to say in the first part of the 1900s. I don't remember the history behind it, but that was specifically designed like the architecture and the geometry and everything. It was designed for breathwork. There's a giant antenna on the top of this building. (laughs) So um, isn't it crazy? That, I'm getting like, like confirmation back. goosebumps as he talks about it. I'm like, yeah. I am in this building with you right now. <laughs> so we're practicing the breath that I showed you the other day. This What's is, it called which again? Called Viana Vayu. Okay, yeah. Viana Vayu. And I've been doing that since I met you. Wonderful. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. good to keep breathing. Yeah, 
Yeah. <laughs> it's usually required. Yeah. Um, I forget that specific in a while. breath work. Like <laughs> I'm Somali. usually like, okay, yeah, it's still breathing left, right, left, right. <laughs> but like even when I'm overwhelmed now, I'm like, <gasps> whoa. There you go. That was transformative. Good job. Yeah. Some people it's, some people call that transformative breath actually. It would, or transformation it's still breath, it's still beginner level to me, but I've uh, I've never wanted to go into prana by myself. Because it's, I know you can get in there's some no weird... beginner level. It, I mean, it's it's just the level we're on, you know. And there's should no, I say there's comfortability no... level? I think that's probably what I mean okay. by it. I was more when you showed me it, I was comfortable doing it. Good. That's it's, probably it's what I mean. very important to be comfortable yeah. in all things. Yeah. Um, especially in our discomfort, it's best to be comfortable in our discomfort. Mm. My experience, but <laughs> it grows. So. I mean, it helps you grow. I'll give it that. Yeah. But uh, anyway, I so breathwork ceremony, right? Yes. Michael breathwork ceremony. I went to a ceremony with Michael Brian Baker, and um, and he holds the space in a very shamanic container, so it's it's a format of like an ayahuasca ceremony. So he's calling in. He's using a lot of the ikros, um, the same chants that they would use in a plant medicine ceremony. And it's being held in this space of devotion. Um, and he's a devotee of Neem Karoli Baba. And um, so I'm getting this kind of like this dose of these two worlds right now. Like these two worlds that I've always been attracted to. So I have this like yogic devotional world over here. And then I've got like the plant medicine shamanic kind of realm over here. And I'm finding them in one place for some reason. I was like, oh, this is this is juicy. I'm glad I came to this. I'm glad she recommended this guy. Um. Later, come to find out, she was talking about an entirely different Michael that does breath work. <laughs> I, 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 I supposedly went to the wrong, air quotes, wrong right. Michael, but it ended up being the right one. So yeah. he's, he's um, guiding everyone through this, this uh, gentle breath work, pranayam. And I have this heart opening and I just kind of, I'm like, tears are going down my face and just like, I'm like, oh, what the hell's happened to me? I'm just <laughs> breathing and I'm like crying. crying. Like, Where is all this coming from? Yes. So, you know, my inquisitive mind wants to know why, you know, why did this happen? Why? And left uh, brain stepping in for you. Oh, absolutely. It's not just stepping in. It's just still in control at this Mm -hmm. point, you know. Um, And so, you know, uh, Michael offers an integration circle later. And in that integration circle, um, he, uh, well, I, I end up kind of having an aside with him and he, um, he kind of kind of sees me for a moment and and i i remember I, he was let me let me stop and collect my thoughts for a minute <laughs> 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 so this was a very intense moment it's actually like jumbling my words here so it was the it was being seen i believe for the first time mm. in this incarnation like i felt seen mm-hmm. and that was just such a powerful thing mm-hmm. to feel seen that moment mm-hmm. and he had offered he began offering this was the first time he had offered this a, a teacher training in breath work it's like learn how to facilitate this breath and i was i was very interested in this but not because i wanted to teach it. i was like i'm never going to teach this this is not i'm not interested in being a healer at this point i'm like i don't want to do this mm-hmm. um, i'm just trying to figure out what the fuck is wrong with me you right. know? <laughs> um, aren't we all yeah. <laughs> so uh but it, it piqued my curiosity and I was like, okay, so this is the first time he's offering this. And I'm like, well, I'm going to see if I can do this. Right. But I have my daughter with me and my stories start to go. I'm like, well, now I've got Kaya. What am I going to do with Kaya? 
And uh, I hope she doesn't mind that I'm mentioning her name. Right. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's a different Kaya. Who are, who are, you know, not a junior. Not one that you know. Not one that you know. But anyway, um, so I get in. I get in my white Prius because I'm still very LA right now. <laughs> I have many spiritual awakenings in this white Prius. Yeah. I'll go into later. Um, Driving in traffic in L.A. It's time for my memoirs. Like something, Prius something, in L.A. I can't. Yeah. White the Prius. Pictures, you know, the, yeah. The white pictures Prius. It's the my, perfect one. In my head of you right now. Okay. So uh, <laughs> I we pack up our glamping setup and um, we, we and start driving into, Prius. into the white Prius. That's awesome. And I mean, I loved my Prius when I had it. So I'm, I'm not hating on you right now. I'm not a, hating I mean, on you. I'm just car. picturing it because you pulled up on a Pathfinder today and I'm like, that's you. I totally get that. Like, I bet you sleep in that thing. That's awesome. But then you're like, yeah, I was in LA. I had a white Prius. I'm like, wow. I also had an electric Fiat. That's uh, awesome. <laughs> super awesome. I'm not dogging on any of those cars. Oh, but picturing you like where I met you now, you mm-hmm. know, you're this person in a Pathfinder and I'm you're making me go back to Shakti Fest and White Breeze clamping. Like <laughs> this is great. Thank you for this reveal. Oh, you're very welcome. <laughs> um so anyway, we're in the car driving back to LA and I I start to hear this voice saying, you're going the wrong way. It, was it audible or was it in your head? I mean, it was an internal. Yeah. Okay. Internal. Okay. Question. Um, do mm-hmm. you know what part of your head or brain lit up when the voice was coming in? Was it in the front? Was it on the left? Was it on the right? Was I, it on the back? I don't have nearly that much awareness. It's okay. I was yeah, just I, curious at the time, since you know it's inside of your head. It was just it was just a voice in my head, and see the the Zen student at me was just like these are just thoughts, and I go yeah. beyond them. You know, like it's okay. I'm just gonna let them float sense. through, so I yeah. ignore the thoughts, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but I start to feel that I'm going the wrong way. I'm like, mm-hmm. okay, well, this is weird. Again, Zen, no, just a feeling. This yeah. is the body. This is all, you know, through, yeah. transient, you know. <laughs> <laughs> but it doesn't go away. So I'm like, okay. I pull over. And this is probably the first time that I have ever consciously listened to my intuition. Mm. And I, I sit there. I'm like, okay, well, this feeling isn't going away. I feel like I need to go back. I feel like I need to go back and do this training. Mm. And all right. So I made a deal. I put a fleece before God. I made a deal with spirit. And I said, okay, well, if this is in alignment for me, then I am this. There's nothing is going to stand in my way of doing this. It's going to, I'm going to figure out something to do with Kaya. I'm not going to have to worry about work tomorrow. You know, it's not going to be an issue that I miss more work. The money is going to be available. They're still going to have a space for me in the program. All of these things have to align. Like, it's just got to be across the board, you know. And, well, I mean, that's exactly what happened. <laughs> I, I, so I talked to Kaya. She's around <laughs> 13 or 14 at the time. And and I say, hey, sweetie, um, you know, I'm considering going back and uh, doing this training. But, you know, it would require you to just kind of be alone by yourself in a hotel room all day and her face lit up with joy like it was the most fantastic <laughs> what do you mean idea she's like you mean you know i could see like her eyes just being like i get to be queen of the hotel room yes. and watch all the tv and eat pizza mm-hmm. all day yeah, it's, it's like, like home alone in a sense in right. a hotel room yeah perfect 
You know, and I was like, you can't answer the door. You can't go outside for any reason. Right. No, I've I had this that. moment yeah. in a hotel room in Florida. So my eyes just lit up with yeah. my experience, too. Yeah. So I'm like, I, OK. Yep. So one, one out of the however many that was. Yeah. And then I called work and they're like, oh, yeah, we don't need you tomorrow. Just don't worry about it. And the, then I call, you know, like I text. The confirmations over and over. Yeah. Like right. everything's aligning. And they had space for me in the, in the training. So I went. Yeah. And that is, um, that really exposed me to more of that infusion of those two worlds that I re- realize now or later on that they were, they were one, the shamanic world and the devotional world mm-hmm. in that one place. And it was, um, you know, one of the first times that I remember that that was really my guru speaking to me. My guru named Karoli Baba was speaking to me through that inner voice. I didn't, at the time, I didn't really know who he was. I think I knew of him, but it wasn't until later that it really. Okay. Um, so talk to me about this. This is, yeah. is this a guru in real life that you know, or is this someone inside that you know? Yes. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Tell me more. So, um, <laughs> Neem Karoli Baba, he's probably best well known through Ram Das's work and Krishna Das's work. Okay. So it's the same guru. Um, officially, he left his body in 1973. Okay. But there's people that see him physically all the time. And he's he's my best friend. He's there with me all the time. I feel him. Sometimes I see him. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Okay, so you you see, and when you say you see him, do you see him physically or do you see him in your mind's eye? He has showed up, shown up for me in different forms. Okay. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. So, yes, all of the above, all mm-hmm. of this. So, uh, another white Prius experience involving the guru. So, um, I'm going I'm going to leave some details out because that has something to do with, um, with my daughter. But, That's okay. Um, I'm on my way to pick her up. And I'm driving uh, on the highway again <laughs> in L.A. <laughs> um, I believe it's the 101 for those of you in the know. Um, <laughs> and again, I hear a voice, I hear a voice in my head. And it says, this is what it's like to look through God's eyes. This is what it's like to see through God's eyes. That's what it is. And I'm like, what? <laughs> what do you mean? Cause what? On the 101. Where is this? Yeah. I'm in a Prius. It's very, dis- it's very different. This voice too, from any of my normal chatter. It's mm-hmm. like very just present. It's just like cuts everything else out. All mm-hmm. the noise. Like this is what it's like to, to see through God's eyes. And I'm like, what the hell is going on here? And then I feel this bomb go off in my chest. Like, pleasant bomb, right? <laughs> I love bomb. <laughs> Would you I consider it a heart chakra awakening? Sure. Like when your heart opens yeah, up, definitely around just there. to keep it as relatable as possible for anybody that's listening, or it they want to go bomb. Google it. It was later. a love bomb that went off in the center of my chest. You want to call it a heart chakra opening? You that's go ahead. totally fine. <laughs> <laughs> Google love bomb, and yeah. I don't know that might lead you to some questionable things, but <laughs> it's all good. Um, yeah. So, th- so as this, you know, this field, this spherical field starts expanding out from my heart space, I'm seeing it start to encompass the cars around me. And as it does, like I'm just filled with this immense like love, just this overwhelming love for every person within Um, this bubble. Would you consider it unconditional love? Sure. Okay. Again, just trying to keep the relatability. You keep going with your story. I'm just checking. (laughs) Thank you. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. Unconditional love. 
for sure. Well, it's the high, it's the highest form. So I've talked to several people that when they talk about this bliss like state, no matter how they experience it, it's, it's the highest form of love possible. It's what everybody that you see operates from. Yeah. I couldn't argue with that. So, um, and and I remember, and I remember having the awareness at the time be like, I wouldn't even care if somebody like ran into me right now. Like, I'd be like, nothing, are you okay? Right. There was nothing anyone in there, anyone could do to me for me to not love them. So yes, unconditional love. Mm-hmm. And it just expands and expands and expands until, you know, I guess it goes beyond wherever my awareness can expand. Right. And then the voice says, these are all your children. And, and I stayed in that, in that space for most of the way to Long Beach. And then it started fading, of course, as these things do. But, um, there's a song, song I wrote a while back where there's a line that says time fades the feeling. There's times that there's uh, moments on this path where love is so potent. Um, but time fades the feeling to bring forth more healing that kind of experience mm-hmm. like we get these doses of yeah. this space right but you get to feel it for a minute we don't get to stay right away <laughs> yeah right. <laughs> you you're know? absolutely correct <laughs> it fades so that we can actually heal what's in the way of us actually living in that space all the time mm-hmm. yeah so this yeah. is one of those that's a great way to put it though mm-hmm. i have stories i'm trying not to interject with right now where i'm like i know exactly what you're talking about <laughs> this is my experience but i'm like right. this is your episode not a sorry <laughs> the golden retriever is gonna sit <laughs> oh it's it's really hard it's really hard right now to be like oh my gosh you are validating so much in my life that I've already had validated, but it just brings it up again. Yeah. I'm like, oh, it's a, like a nice spiritual way to know you're not alone. Yeah. Like, I know that we we all experience it different. Like, I'm not on the one-on-one in a Prius right now, you know, you loving sure? everybody around me. Well, I mean, <laughs> technically, I'm like remote viewing the story with you. Right. But, I mean, that's not my way that I was walking home. But there's so many similarities that I'm just, like, very grateful to hear these stories. Well, and you know, one thing I can relate to, though, is I do have a lot of those moments in my car. Right. Right? I mean, am I? No. Have you had multiple moments in your car? So many. Yeah. yeah so, so many. Um, like, uh, that was a personal joke to myself that I was going to mm-hmm. write some memoir about spiritual yeah. awakening on the 101 freeway, you know, <laughs> yeah. in my white Prius. You know, <laughs> right. I was happy. But I think I think for many of us, that's the only time that we ever, like, really focus on doing one thing a lot of times, you know. Or maybe it, focus on doing nothing. You know, that maybe too. That's it. I mean, but it, you know, we're having to put a good amount of presence into operating a vehicle that's going at high speeds in a potentially deadly scenario right. <laughs> all know? the time, and nobody so realizes how dangerous require, it is. You know, yeah. a yeah. fair amount of yeah. presence. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. and we have to slow down a little bit, even though we're still listening to podcasts like this one, <laughs> which is great. I'm glad you're listening to this right mm-hmm. now. Thank you. Um, Watch out for that car. Yeah, yeah. but yeah. <laughs> try to see through God's eyes now. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> They're all your children, even that one. Yeah, especially that one. That yeah. one, yeah. The, the one that just cut you, you off. Yeah, they're your child as you well. You have to send yeah. them love. You really, really do. I know it's hard. If you're not there yet, well, listen to another episode after this one. Okay, we're here for you. Awesome. So let's get back to the story. Which story? I know. Let's see. We're driving in a Prius down 101 in LA. We had a heart expanding moment. Now you're God. 
you're seeing through God's eyes, I should say. You're not so God. At what point at what point you're you're on your journey to self discovery, you don't want to feel like trash anymore. You don't you want to get over the anxiety, you want to get over the in- depression, you don't want to be addicted anymore. And you find that through yoga, through meditation, through breath work. At what point do you discover that this is something that you want to start sharing with other people? Well, I really appreciate you thinking that I have found those things already. I really appreciate how highly <laughs> you like, think I'm still me. on that path. I'm still working on it. <laughs> I'm still working on it, but thank you. Um, when did it become devotional, though? Like, when did you start serving their hearts? I don't, I'm not sure which question to answer now. <laughs> well, whatever one you're called to, I guess. I, I like the devo. I'm sorry. No, go for it. So. <laughs> and I've already forgotten your question because That's I, was, I was being too snarky with my response. <laughs> so. Don't you hate that I when your ego comes in and trips it up? Spirit's like, all right, Dick. Look at you being clever, yeah. not paying attention. <laughs> okay. Devotion, yes. When, when devotion? Yes. Well, hmm. I haven't thought about this. I mean, I my guru, you my guru, really kind of revealed himself slowly over time, and it was really kind of like a process of him going, like, "Oh yeah, I remember that time that happened. Oh yeah, that was me." <laughs> he still does that. Uh, does so, it humble you? I try to remain in humility as best I can. Yes. <laughs> I understand that. But yes, it absolutely does. Um, I don't claim any of this. Um, it's just, you know, my perspective and my story. And I can't really claim to have done anything. Would you label it like you're you're a vessel for the divine, even though you call it so many different things? I like how that sounds. That's what I say when I do time. my meditations. I, I do my best to be that, you know, what Rumi referred to as the hollow reed. Okay. You know. Um, that I'm, I am my guru's instrument. I am the goddess's instrument to, to use, to, to blow through as she sees fit, you know, Mm -hmm. to make whatever sounds and, and through whatever end. And I just do my best to get out of the way and to show up uh, fully in love and in devotion. Um, yeah. So the devotion just kind of, it kind of blossoms over time. I think it's one of those things like you plant these seeds with these practices of repeating, like repeating divine names of like, you know, chanting like Kirtan and, um, over time, you know, it, it really will, those seeds will bear fruit. Um, if they're, if they're supposed to, I suppose so. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I've planted many of seeds in my life and they're, they're kind of rotten under the ground and I think that they were meant to. Well, these, these, these are special seeds though. These seeds, special seeds? These seeds like Jack and the Beanstalk special y- yeah, seeds? Yeah, even better than that. Wow. You know, okay. In the Bhakti Yoga tradition, are we getting they call into Led Zeppelin, we're talking, we're talking about heaven? the names of God here is okay. what we're talking about. Great. So <laughs> the Ram Nam in the Bhakti Yoga tradition. Mm-hmm. Um, and these, these are the only one of the only pure sattvic or like incorruptible um, vibrations in existence Um, because these names like Krishna and Kali, Durga, Shiva, they are literally invoking or evoking that presence. This is, we are speaking them into the space as we speak these names. And each time we speak these names or sing these names, we are bringing our awareness more fully into that space where we are one 
with these names, with these names that we invoke. So over time, anytime we bring our awareness more fully into some energy, we're accentuating that because energy follows our awareness. So if we're repeating the name of Shiva, 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 we're bringing our awareness more fully into that part of us that is Shiva. Um, and that's really the kind of the essence behind that practice. Um, not to not to say that this is specific to bhakti yoga. This is a this is a practice that is very human and universal. There are different names in, in all the different traditions, and I and I that's one of the things that I that I really bring a lot of. I I find a lot of joy in is finding you know the commonality amongst all these different lineages. Mm-hmm. Um, I went when I was in Peru. I lived in Peru for about a year, and part of that time I lived in a I, again, find, find, I found that intersection of, of the worlds of bhakti and shamanism in this community that I lived in. And they practiced, uh, you know, kirtan every day, but it was not your normal kirtan that you're used to, um, that people might be used to in the West. It's, uh, it was chants across all these different traditions. So they had like chants in Lakota and in Spanish and even in French and, um, and Nahuatl, you know, and uh, I went really deep into these chants and I met the beings of these chants because these chants are living consciousness. Um, and I started to realize like how true, like I knew intellectually this is true, but I was feeling it and experiencing how they were the same, how this chant to Chanupa in Lakota is the same as this chant to Durga from India. He's explaining why my podcast exists. Our <laughs> podcast, oh, literally, I'm like. <laughs> <laughs> so they all have their different flavors, but there's yeah. the essence behind them is still that love. Absolutely, it's still that that um that one that we're a part of. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I might pass out. I'm in such bliss right now having this conversation. <laughs> <laughs> like, you really know how to tell a good story. <laughs> you really do. I am here for this. So how did you develop your particular type of, we'll call it a healing session. So when you meet with someone and you have an experience with them to help them find their way to a better self mm-hmm. or what is it that you do with them and how did you develop that? Um, it really, it developed quite organically. Um, when I was still in, in LA, um, and I was still kind of really in seeking mode at this point. Another one of my journeys in the white Prius, <laughs> I, uh, I began to just really go car camping and I would just, you know, find, you know, these out of the way places to camp by myself. But I started listening and I don't know what guided me to do this, but I just started listening to like the river or the trees. I'll go into like a cave and listen Sometimes I would meet different, you know, intelligences, these places, but more than anything, just listening to the sound of nature. And then I would hear on another level, in my internal hearing, I would hear these chants. Like, so I'd be listening to the sound of the river and then the river was teaching me a new chant. Mm. And I, that's so why I would start to repeat these chants and work with those. Um, and I start to f- started to feel things kind of come back online I had grown up singing. I had grown up, um, you know, performing in uh, music theater and dinner theater and things like that. Um, and, uh, but I had 
stopped singing and stopped playing guitar for 15 years probably at that point. So I picked it up again and it became this soul retrieval process. Like it was very emotional as I started to play again. Cause I realized I had really just given my power away for 15 years by like not, you know, by not singing, by not, by, you know, really <laughs> marrying an older woman <laughs> and giving my power away to her, I think is where it started. Um, we all have soul contracts, life lessons and karma to get through. But, you know, you know I, I own it, you know, I'm not yeah. blaming anyone. No, but, not at all. Uh, but that is, that is, you know, the perspective that I still hold on that on where the power went, if it went anywhere. But yes, um, I, that's, that's when, you know, the chants really started to come out of me. Mm-hmm. And these are chants that like, not in any language that we can identify, mm-hmm. uh, that, that I was just being taught. And they were just, they're quite beautiful and I could feel the power behind them. Were you intuitively shown what that chant was for? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So they had all had different flavors and different mm-hmm. intentions behind them. Mm-hmm. Um, I had been trying, I had been really seeking out, um, you know, some kind of training. I wanted a teacher. I wanted a physical guru. You know, I wanted that mentor. Someone you could touch, not just someone you could know. Yes, mm-hmm. yes. And I was just being disappointed left and right. You know, um, I uh, had, um, you know, I'd, I'd gone to a sound healer training in San Francisco. And you know, not to disparage the training at all. It's wonderful training, but everything they taught me, I'm like, this isn't what I want to do. This is not what I'm looking for. Like none mm-hmm. of it was like teaching me about the frequencies and like just all the methodology behind it. I was just like, this isn't for me. This is not what I'm looking for. Mm-hmm. And but that's a really great connection with like your inner voice and trusting it over again, outsourcing yourself to something that right. you believe you're supposed to be doing. But I had to keep trying, I guess. Yeah, I understand. But that's really still. That's a really cool story to bring up to talk about like I I can identify with going and finding a yoga instructor mm. that you really, really want to connect with because right. you know what you're looking for and then mm-hmm. you go there and it is kind of like aesthetic and mm-hmm. I don't I don't know how to not be I don't know, I'm just gonna say like whitewashed in a sense because it's the Western version of it. So it is more focused on an aerobics class but you're looking right. for like the in-depth mm-hmm. part. So even you're sitting here and you're like, well, I know I want to be in a yoga class. So why am I not connecting? And again, you like, you continuously go back to yourself and ask mm-hmm. these questions. So I just think that's really important to pull up. Cause again, a lot of real relatability in your story. You're yeah, you're absolutely right. It really has been, you know, a, a comedy of errors and that in me trying to find things outside of myself that would work external teachers when there's this voice crying out yeah this like, isn't the we one. know this is everything the one. that we already need to know mm-hmm. right. <laughs> we, right. were con- we came into these bodies taught by god right 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 um you know i can really relate to that because it's so um when i started doing my practice i didn't go learn anything from anyone and i just mm-hmm. started listening to the guides inside of me and i, and I had a big um complex of well this can't be real this can't be true this can't be anything that's legitimate because you haven't been taught this from anybody right so you can't trust this this is just something you must be Mm -hmm. making up or you Mm -hmm. know because i didn't trust myself enough to think that there is a guide or a knowledge that is giving this to me and i had to get over that Little did she know it was Wayne Dyer on the other side. (laughs) Right. Actually, someone did tell me that at one point. They were like, "Um, you're on Wayne Dyer's path. You need to stop that. Yeah, you need to get on your (laughs) own path. Um, But um, 
you know, just being able to, um, I think for me, as I practiced on people, as people were willing to let me practice on them, and I was able to get feedback from them saying what you're telling me is 100% true and accurate in my understanding of myself mm-hmm. and get that confirmation, it helped me believe in myself more that what I was actually being told was real and, you know, and what I was being taught was real. What What is it for you that helped you understand that this wasn't just something you were making up in your head? <laughs> Well, I still have those doubts. I don't think that goes away. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I think that's probably a healthy level of doubt for most of us have a little bit, you know, mm-hmm. but um, it, it's all the, the whole, everything I've talked about is a, is a continual refinement in, in learning to trust myself. Right. That's what the spiritual path is. I, yeah. It's just learning to trust ourselves. Um, I just had to take, you know, uh, we each have an individual path that meanders. It doesn't go where we think it's going to go. It doesn't go all, always where we think we want it to go. But um, the more that we trust that and we don't allow anyone to tell us anything different, it's good f- to get feedback from people and to have reflections from other humans, but always defaulting to what we know to be true. So um, when you don't get what you want, you got experience. So don't really look at it as like failure. Right. Like, yeah. You got that experience. There were no failures. I went through so many different experiences where like, okay, so the sound healer training, for example, yeah. um, I, I paid a lot of money for the sound healer training and I'm halfway through it and I'm like, I don't want to do this, you know, but the one thing that happened in there is they gave me the space for, um, to do what I wanted. It was like the first time it was like near the end of the program where they put us in pairs and we're like, okay, now you're going to give each other sound sessions. And we're like, okay, well, you haven't taught us how to do this yet. And they're just like, just do whatever you feel. And that's what I did. And I was like, whoa, what happened? And I realized that I could like, um, that I could find places in the other person's body that needed some extra love, right? Like intuitively, it was just really easy to find it. I think I started by scanning with my voice and later on I could just like jump right to it because actually I realized before when I was scanning, I always knew where it was first before I started scanning, but I still felt I had to scan anyway, uh-huh. you know? Um, I understand that, yeah. But over time I realized like, well, you're being silly. You always know where it is. Just go, just go mm-hmm. straight to the spot and do the thing. Okay. I will, but, I will say that I knew that when I showed up cause he does like a little interview process before he puts me on the table and I'm sitting here. I'm like, why is he interviewing me? He knows how fucked up I am. He can, I can see him seeing the parts of my body and he's like, so go ahead and tell me what hurts. And like this voice inside is like, why? You know, you want me to say it? Sometimes we need to be very gentle, dear. That's, uh, that's, I mean, I understand know, it. I appreciate it. Like right, right when I came other. into your house, you're like, can I hug you? I can see you're like really vulnerable right now. And I'm like, oh God, he sees me. Well, it's not, and it's not just for your sake. It's for, you know, the the parts of yourself, like when we, when we go through an intense trauma, the soul parts that sequester themselves are like a little copy of ourselves at the, at the age that when we were traumatized. Mm -hmm. So if you ever do a soul retrieval with a shaman, they or you will go and meet that version of yourself at that age. Mm -hmm. And sometimes it takes quite a bit of tenderness and convincing to allow that version of yourself to reintegrate. So we have to be very gentle. If I just come out the gate and I'm just like, well, here's what's wrong with you. (laughs) Which I mean, I I appreciate that you didn't do it, but (laughs) thank you. But I still remember sitting there because I'm like reading you as you're like reading me, but I can't see (laughs) at the level that you see because I'm not as clear as you. But I'm like, I don't think you give yourself enough credit. I really don't, but we'll get to that 
off the episode. Um, <laughs> She's like, we're not revealing me we're right not now. Revealing me right now. <laughs> but I remember, I remember him sitting, and he's just seeing like right through me, like uh, the parts of my body were lighting up that he was getting ready to address, and I'm like, I'm like nervous. Except for, like, I wanted to be seen so bad. I wanted to go to a healer and then be like, yeah, I see that. Do do you want some help with it? And I'm like, fuck yeah, I do. <laughs> like, let's not put any pressure on this scenario. We know why we're here. Yeah. So, again, just he's just sitting across from me and we're, like, not breaking eye contact. And it's like, who's breaking spades first, you know? And, I mean, I guess I kind of did. But he's like, like, we did a breathing exercise. And I remember um, you're like, okay, so breathe into your womb. And I was like, okay. And like, you know, the little avatar, I caught the Lizzie McGuire in my head. The one that's like, he's asking you to breathe. I hope you can breathe right. <laughs> you know? And he's like, okay, so like, what is You're your. <laughs> Validating. Yes. Validating your voice here. Yeah. <laughs> he's like, you know, like what, what shape is coming to you? And then, you know, the avatar is again, like, do we even know what fucking shape is right now? Yeah. Breathe, Cheyenne. Don't pass out. <laughs> blue. So, blue is the blue shape. Blue is the shape. <laughs> oh no. Okay. He oh, said no, I'm shapes. sorry. That's not what it is. <laughs> yeah. So I'm sitting there and I'm like, okay, it's a sphere. So it's a circle, but there's also a triangle. And the triangle is poking out above my belly button. And he's like, okay, what's the triangle say to you? And I'm like, I've never spoken to a triangle before. <laughs> you know? Oh, you gotta try it. It's the yeah, best. yeah. But I'm like, this this is some next level shit. Like, this is everything I've wanted to be a part of. And there's most people be like, all right, we're gonna disassociate for the next hour and a half. I don't know what we're doing in this room. But I, instead, I was like, I am here for this. All right, triangle, speak to me. And then it was like, I hurt. And I was like, I already know that. Mm -hmm. You know, like my ego side is like, duh, that's why we're here. Yeah. We're going to figure this out. And then he's like, okay, who hurt you? And immediately my ego jumped in and said, do you want me to give you a list? Because I thought that that's what he was asking for me. He's like, okay, well, go ahead and unpack some of your trauma for me. And I'm like, okay, well, I'm at a part where I don't, I don't blame anybody for what happened to me. I'm really big on the, when you didn't get what you want, you got experience. Mm -hmm. You know, who says what's good or bad. But when you're like, okay, so who hurt you? I'm like... That's where we're going. Like, we're not even on the bed yet. And he's like, breathe again. Take a step back. And I felt like a golden retriever that was, like, sitting on the chair. And I was like, okay. He told me to sit. Sit. <laughs> well, it's, like, it's, it's connect a lot of to this energy that he's trying to connect with you with. But I yeah. was going so fast. He's like, just breathe one more time. And I was like, okay, he told you to breathe one more time. And I felt like he was like putting a collar around my neck yeah. very kindly. I yeah. wanted the collar is the yeah. best way that I could say. He's like, he's but like I'm, take the stick out. Yeah. Set it down. I'm <laughs> used to being in his chair. Yeah. I'm used to controlling the energy. Yeah. I'm not used to going to somebody, especially a man. All of my healing has been from women. Yeah. So, like, mm -hmm. you were the first, like, male healer that I felt comfortable with going to. Well, and that's and not I know, unusual in And I knew that I was, yeah. I was exercising that. I'm like, he's asking you stuff that you've never revealed to a guy before. Mm -hmm. Like, in this yeah. setting. Mm -hmm. yeah. um, so then he's like, he's like, take a deep breath. And I was like, oh, I hurt myself. And he goes, ah. Oh you're ready. Get on the table. And I was like, I was again, I was like, Oh my God, I passed the test. Treat. Yeah. I get a treat. <laughs> so then I'm like, okay, how do, how do you want me on the table? Like, do, do like, you know, again, I'm like a golden retriever again. And again, he was so sweet, so safe. He said the three words. Most people are like dying to hear like, I love you. And I think that's super sweet. But my three words that if you don't know that I want them to be said to me are, well, you are safe, but he said, you are safe here. And I was like, is this, is this guy reading my mind right now? Because, <laughs> I mean, like, I'm like, yes. yeah, I mean, technically, <laughs> yes, but I was like, 
I knew that I was safe, but he kept validating all of these these worries, these questions, these fears that I knew were ultimately going to come up in the session. But the way that we were connected, the energy level, all of that, even just the like the knowing and knowing him without knowing him, you know, just like the recognition of his energy. And he just kept saying stuff that I was like, yes, that is so great for me. So I have a question sure. um, in the industry, the spiritual industry, and maybe it's a Wichita thing. Maybe it's an all over the world thing. I don't know. Mm-hmm. There is not an overabundance of male energy or male healers, at least not that I've run into. Is that what you found true as well? Um, not in other parts of the world. Okay. So that's yeah. more of a local thing. <laughs> I think so. Yeah. Okay. And it, it's really weird. Um, okay. Like only if it's primarily females that show up to my events here. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, so the other kind of lead into that was I'm assuming that because there is, at least here locally, mostly females that are going to come to you for those healing sessions. Do you find, like Cheyenne experienced this, I finally feel safe in an environment around you and there's this masculine energy on the other side of that. Mm. Do you find that a lot of times people will have this connection to that and go, and and just... I don't know. If and I'm now they want to be your girlfriend. Do you, well, do you have to bat well, them away after not, all of your <laughs> sessions? Maybe not necessarily girlfriend, but now, but now they're like, "Hey, I need to come hang out with you. I need to, because yeah. I've never experienced. I want to be around. That yeah, yeah I want to be around that energy, a masculine energy before, mm-hmm. and I need more of that because it's just comforting. And it's not here, right? There's yeah. not a lot of that. Um, okay, I, I do. I do um, see. I do get to witness um, a lot of cases of. Um, what I feel um, of of a woman of an embodied female uh, <laughs> showing up for me, and I can tell that I'm maybe the first um, male presenting human that they've felt safe around. Okay, um, not just safe, but safe to tell you the things that are holding me back from my purpose. Right, that's what was really overwhelming for me. Like I already knew when I went there that for lack of a better term, something was going to transform in me after I've met him. Mm-hmm. And I know those are big words. Well, and that's just what the heart knows though. It's, yeah. you know, I've, I've had to do a lot of my own personal work in this area because, um, as someone that's a, you know, as someone that was abused at a young age, we carry with us very many of us, this belief that we're going to become the abuser at some point. So I've had to do a lot of work in like quieting those voices that say like it's okay to put your hands on another person's body. Mm. For a long time, I didn't even like touching people. That's very. That's a really good thing. You know, and that's something that I had to like come to terms with because like I'm very. I always ask permission. You know, Mm -hmm. I'm making sure that everything's. Which I was gonna get it. Yeah. I try to make sure that I very consensual practice. Make sure that everyone knows consent can be revoked at any moment. I mean, we're not gonna do anything other than light touch, but still, it's like. Anything gets uncomfortable, you got to do is say the word and hands off and we can reset. Yep. Mm-hmm. Not a problem. I've never had anyone do that. Right. But um, it, it's really been my own internal dialogue, I think, is the thing mm-hmm. that I've had to work with. It's, right. it's gotten better over the years. So, right. yeah, but that's something that I definitely had to work through. Mm-hmm. But the more that I, f- I feel that I feel safe being with others, the more they feel safe being mm-hmm. with me. Mm-hmm. And because really what we're what's happening in this space from my perspective is like, um, you know, you showed up at my, at my place and we had this, 
um, we opened this container together. And so when we connect and you give your permission, you know, for this to occur, what's really happening is, is I'm seeing like the part of me that is you is allowed to speak and to act through me because yeah. I'm not, I'm not providing a healing service. I'm not healing yeah. you. Like you are, I'm just holding this space for you to have this healing dialogue with yourself. And you yeah, but when like, when, okay, were you speaking tongues when you touched my shoulder? Yes. Okay. So I was going to unpack this like later, but I guess we're here. So I get on the table and like I'm face up first and he's like, we're actually going to be face down first. And I had my protective flannel on that I wear every day and I had already planned on removing it. But he asked me, do you feel comfortable removing your shirt? And I was like, okay. It was more of a sweater, just to be clear. She was (laughs) uh, was. wearing a shirt underneath. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I I mean, I had, you know, like a shirt on. You had layers. Yeah, Yeah. you're right. It's a sweater. That's great to say. (laughs) That's so funny. I hear how it sounds now. (laughs) My bad. Um, Yeah. Uh, anyways, um, I'm like, oh, that's really funny. I, I long like, for the the time that we can all just be naked together all the time. Yeah. That's not a thing, but yeah, you know, yeah. like I want people to feel safe and like yeah. whatever, but you again, know. the can, the consent about it, right. um, yeah, was, really was my important. favorite part. Cause like I was already going to go ahead and shed that layer because I knew that he was going to touch my shoulder with oils. Did I know tongues was coming? No, but I'm here for it. So because I'm like, you, you had gone there with the intent that your shoulder had some pain. I knew why I went there and I also knew what he was going to bring up. And then I had to be brave enough to go, yeah, you're right. That's why I really came. And that is probably one of the favorite things about going and meeting healers is I'm like, what my intention is I'm going to go here for. And if they are the one that I'm supposed to go to, they're actually going to pull this out of me. So like having that confirmation with his energy immediately when Mm -hmm. I got there, like that was the comfortability and the energy. Mm -hmm. It wasn't like, it wasn't all on him. Like I won't credit him. Like he doesn't want the credit anyways, but he did a really good job of setting that safe space up. But then that energetic connection, I was just, wow, like this is where I want to be. So I'm laying on the table and I close my eyes and you know, he He's starting to get ready, and as soon as his hands go on my shoulder, he starts speaking tongues. And immediately when the tongues goes in, my breathing goes into, do you know Wim Hof? Mm -hmm. Okay, so it was like, it was like the 15 breaths before you hold your breaths, but it wasn't like as intense as Wim Hof would be. But I remember my breathing went into like a a unified state. I wasn't scared. I was there, and it's the first time that I'd ever heard tongues over me with somebody touching me and it's everything that I've ever wanted by the way (laughs) and my and my eyes started like fluttering like um not really like in a blissful state but I guess I would just say like in a really I was I knew that I was safe Mm -hmm. and I started like in my mind I started repeating like hey you're safe here and you know I I am open to all the healing that you're giving to me because I there is a like the analytical side of my mind that is my protector mm-hmm. is like, Hey dude, this guy's touching you speaking tongues. You just <laughs> met him yesterday, <laughs> you know? And I'm like, Hey, uh, I need, I need you to go away right now because this guy's doing some real work and I believe in what he's doing to me. Right. And I don't want this very strong led 
masculine side that I still have in me to literally fuck up the everything that he's doing for me. Please get out of your own way. Accept this healing. And you fucking know you like that tongues. So you enjoy the shit. <laughs> so then like he's, you know, going through it, touching my shoulder, um, you know, just whatever, whatever comes to. I'm pretty sure like you do something different with everybody. Like you're called to, it's always different. Yeah. yeah, it's always different, which is what I told her. I'm like, what happened to me isn't necessarily going to happen to you. Right. Um, and I'm not going to get like super in depth into it, but we started with speaking tongues and light <laughs> essential oils on my shoulder. And I was like, so you can only imagine. Well, right. yeah. So I was like, this is the beginning, <laughs> you're right. you know? And he's like, when I get there, he's like, oh, I forgot to sound check my drums. So he like goes into the kitchen and I went to a drum circle probably like six weeks ago. That mm. was completely revolutionary for me as well. So I was like, oh, I, I understand that because I had to sound check my drum. That's totally normal to me now. <laughs> but then he just, he would like, yeah, I'm going to get this ready. I'm going to do this. And I think besides like the masculine presence in him that we keep talking about, um, it's the unification in his energy that I am ridiculously drawn to in the session. I'm like, yes, you're safe. But this guy has a way of not only tapping into his feminine energy, but also like the divine feminine energy. So you feel this whole space of unification in his house. Mm -hmm. in Wichita. Wow, this is the best <laughs> promotional plug I've ever heard. <laughs> but I, I'm Am telling I supposed you. supposed to pay you for this? No, no but you can no. give me Shine a free sesh if you want. Because <laughs> I, like, you. If, it, if it touches my soul, I'm telling you. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but and hey, he, I just want to say, though, you did a fantastic job. Like, what you're narrating to me is the work that you were doing with yourself. And that's yeah. why I told you, good job. You did yeah. a lot of work. Be gentle with yourself after the session because I may not have heard that dialogue, but mm -hmm. I... I, I can see on some level, I can tell like you're really moving some stuff. Yeah, you know? I'm tired. I've yeah. been moving. I've been yeah. picking up bricks that the pyramid were made out of yeah. and yeah. moving them to the other side of the earth. Yeah. That's how I feel. Yeah. And I'm and it's uh it's like a grateful tired, you know? Yeah. I'm just like, I'm so grateful that we got to do that before we did this episode because mm -hmm. I was already going to come and see you anyways. But how it aligned with Desiree reaching out to me and me, like, needing to be the one that reached out to you. Mm -hmm. And then you calling me the next morning. And, like, right when we got on the phone, I felt like I already knew him. Like, I wasn't, like, nervous. I missed his phone call because I'm obviously with my kid. I look at my phone. I'm like, what's this number? Oh, you know, you're from L.A., so that's probably why I missed it. And then he texts me, and he's like, hey, just want to touch base about it. As soon as I get on the phone, he's like, hey, Cheyenne. And I'm just like, I feel like I've known you forever. And I usually get that reaction from people. I don't usually, like, I don't run into that very often. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I'm not seen as much as you saw me in that room. Mm -hmm. So that was really big for me because I'm like, you're speaking about a lot of stuff that, like, I'm in Virginia in a library right now. And mm -hmm. not like you're the guru that I'm looking for, but you have the energy and the properties and the knowledge that I'm looking for. Mm -hmm. And then to see that not only in your head and you can be like, oh, yeah, like call Kalian, call Kuan Yin, Yin call, call Jesus and call all of these masters in from these divine dimensions. Like you're the physical manifestation of all the knowledge that I've been waiting to mm. see. And we haven't even got into like plant medicine because <laughs> we had a really fun conversation about plant medicine. And I told him how I always know plant medicine is going to be a part of my experience, like going to the Amazon or going to Costa Rica and having that retreat with the indigenous people who built a relationship with that. 
And I, I talk to my guides about it in meditation because I am a golden retriever. So I'm like, I want to do it. And when it comes to me, I'm going to do it now. And they're like, (laughs) somebody's going to come to you. And I'm like, I don't want to wait. I'm impatient. Like, I already know that this is what I want. (laughs) Give me what I want. And they're like, someone's going to come to you and they're going to have X, Y, Z. And then it's going to be up to you and your inner voice and your intuition to recognize that energy when it comes into your life. Mm -hmm. Because there's a lot of false flags. Like if you Mm -hmm. want something, if you desire something, you could take the first person that comes up and they're like, hey. And the universe loves to give you things that aren't quite what you're looking for. You're like, are you going to compromise? Are you going to compromise? Okay, you didn't compromise there. But are you going to compromise at this one? It's a little bit closer. It's still not what you want. Mm -hmm. And you're, you're right. So like the restraint that I've had in... Like, I know plenty of people that have ayahuasca, shrooms, and any anything that you could possibly want to dive to on a psychedelic range. Mm-hmm. I can pull my phone up right now, and we could be tripping in 30 minutes. I'm aware <laughs> of that. But to have that restraint, to know that that's not the way that I want it to be facilitated to me and the intent that I need, right? that was, I mean, that's just like patting myself on the back because that's a, that's a big piece of restraint that I need because, again, it would be a compromise. Right. And I don't want to do that. So thank yeah. you, thank you for showing up in the way that you did because mm-hmm. that that was uh that was big for me to like yeah. even trust a man in that scenario. My pleasure, dear. Yeah, thank go you. go and see Nada Brahma. I don't know how much longer <laughs> I can keep going with the story. I know we I did mean, we did a bunch of intense stuff. To I just fair, told you the first five minutes. How long was that at your house? Like two two hours? Two hours, yeah. Yeah. And by the time this episode airs, he will not be available for anyone to go see in Wichita. Yeah, but you can go. Are you going to New Mexico next? Is that where you're wintering? It's, it's unknown. The timing is unknown right yeah. now. Um, I consider him like a wandering healer. But it, you will have a website I will we be can back share to, and we can link to the episode that they can find where you are. There are a lot of things in flux right now. Okay. Um, I'm very much in flow. Um, my trajectory has me leaving Wichita eventually. Um, <laughs> At some point. <laughs> but it's not it's not a it's not a date and I'm okay. always going I'm frequently back here because this okay. is where my family is. Okay. So So yeah. you keep well, your house here at all times, is that right? Um I I can't really speak to that right now. That's but, okay. Um, That's okay. But I, I was just curious was like the next time we the so the next time I do a session are we going to be like in a white Prius? Because I'll do it. (laughs) Yeah, I'm just going to be working out of a Prius. Yeah. (laughs) So we do have listeners from all over the United States and And the world. And the world. Right. The majority of our listeners right now, as of today, come from California, Texas, and Kansas. That doesn't mean that's as of tomorrow where they're all coming from. So they could find you just about anywhere. And I also can do um, things over Skype. Remote. Okay. Awesome. Awesome. That's wonderful. So we'll definitely link your website in the episode when it's out. So we went over a lot, but there's still one thing that we talked about, and it was um, not just ayahuasca, but plant medicine mm-hmm. in general. Yeah. And I know that you gave me some advice because I told you that I wanted to go to Costa Rica in about two years. Like that's what I was preparing mm-hmm. my mind, body, and spirit over the next two years was ridding myself of my vices and the things that were preventing me from doing what I am meant to do here on earth. And um, you gave some really solid advice that I got to just think about later, which was like, don't just go to a retreat for a week and then come back and like keep living the life that you're living because you need time to breathe in those experiences. You're going to unpack a lot of intense trauma. Integration is um, just as important, if not more important than the actual act of healing. So you've done ayahuasca, just if we're going to focus on ayahuasca, we can bring up others later. You've done it like 20 plus times in like, Right. real shamanic and right. 
Mm-hmm. Like, just go ahead and oh tell, my, me, tell me, tell me about, about yeah. Tell me about that. Yeah. Because okay. I haven't ever done it and I'm really excited to do it at least once. But I want to do it the way that he did it. That's why oh, I love yeah. his story so with, much. With the real people in yes. the real places. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. the first time I did it was in LA and nothing happened. Were you with, because I know that they have the shamans that travel to LA to do it. Yeah. Were you with in one of those environments or was it just like Yeah, it was in, in someone's house in like Topanga Canyon or something like okay. that. And, and, uh, and yeah. Nothing happened. I was still very in the matrix then. Like this was very early on. I knew I needed to do something. Um, I had always, I had wanted to do ayahuasca ever since I learned about it when I was probably 19 or 20 and reading mm-hmm. like Terrence McKenna. Um, but it wasn't available to me. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, yeah, but I took it and really I got a little bit nauseous mm-hmm. and never threw up. Nothing oh, really I always happened. thought that you had to throw up. This is the first time nothing happened, and so, this happens a lot. You know, sometimes okay. people take it the first time; it doesn't. It, See, it I'm doesn't really happen. scared because nothing I've happens. heard that you throw up and shit. On yeah, and now, so I'm really, I'm really a little scared of it because of that. Well, you, from my experience, you always get what you need. <laughs> so, um, so if you and need it's to be never, clean, it's you need never to be clean. ever more than what <laughs> than uh, what you can handle. Okay, it's never more than what you can handle. She's very, very intelligent grandmother. Okay. Um, but, uh, you know, and I say, I, I said that nothing happened the first time that I took it. And that's really coming from the perspective of what I was expecting and what most people expect to happen. They're expecting to have visions and like, yes. you know, purging and, and these things. And those mm-hmm. things do happen. Mm-hmm. But um, what I remember afterwards, though, in the morning, I hadn't slept um, it, it was enough. I guess the medicine, I'm very sensitive to things that will keep me awake. Um, but I didn't, I didn't sleep, but I, you know, I was driving back in the morning and I stopped at just, uh, on the way out of Topanga Canyon, um, at a, just an overlook. And I just remember being filled with peace, you know, just having this great sense of peace come over me. I was like, Whoa, this is really, mm, I haven't felt this. And I don't remember the last time I felt this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so that, that, that something obviously did happen. Something moved in me. And it was years, years later that I, um, that I was able to revisit that medicine again in California over the series of, of two weekends. And, um, one of the, one of the intentions that I brought into uh, the ceremony was, um, I had had a, a really debilitating, um, OCD around cleanliness, around hand sanitizer specifically, um, back when I was knee deep in shit <laughs> in Virginia. I wonder how you developed that. I was yeah. also a smoker. So I would like, you know, oh. just drench my hands in hand sanitizer before I'd smoke a cigarette. Cause I'm like, I mean, I'm not putting this in my mouth. Mm-hmm. Um, and that kind of like, that just kind of spiraled into like something that lasted very, very, a very, very long time. At least I'd say at least 10 years. Um, where I always had a hand sanitizer bottle in my pocket at all times. If I didn't have one, it would cause me intense anxiety. If I was in a position where I didn't feel like I could um, use it after touching another person or a public surface or money, um, that would cause a lot of anxiety. I got really good at hiding it. I got really good at doing it really discreetly. Like I'd shake somebody's hand and then very quietly and secretly just like don't break eye contact but you're like over here yeah, yeah exactly yeah, no, yeah. totally no, i get that um so yeah i hit it very well and only those that are very close to me ever notice you know but um 
so I, it was very clear to me at this point in my path. I'm like, this is something that is actually, that is really in the way of what I want. That is in the way of me uh, connecting to other humans because I'm seeing them as this gross thing that's going to make me sick or make me dirty mm-hmm. somehow. Mm-hmm. And I knew like it was this cognitive dissonance. It doesn't make sense to me. I don't actually believe those things, but there was, that doesn't stop the anxiety. Mm-hmm. It's not, we're not dealing with a logical thing here. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not something I could think of my way out of. <laughs> so, um, so I bring, I bring this, this is my prayer for one of the ceremonies that I, w- I want to be done with this. And it wasn't until it was probably um, six to eight months later, I'm in Thailand and I have this moment where I realize I haven't had sanitizer, hand sanitizer on me in months. I've been handling money, eating street food without washing my hands. Didn't even think about it. It happened underneath the radar. So one of the things I shared with you about plant medicine that I've learned is that a lot of times the the ceremony is just kind of the show, right? Like the light show. That's not really the point. because The medicine is working on deep levels. As soon as you agree to take the medicine, it might be months beforehand, she's working with you. Mm. And she's going to continue working with you as long as it takes. So the more space you can give any kind of um, experience with medicine, whether it is... Um, a plant medicine or, you know, like a breath, the sacrament of the breath or even cacao or something like that, the more space you can put around that for integration, the deeper that medicine is going to be able to go because it could be months or maybe years later that it takes for that process to complete, but it is going to happen. Mm -hmm. You know, you just, you just trust that and, you know, you, you fire off your, your um, prayer arrow, so to speak, and then you just trust that it's going to hit its target. Mm. Nice <laughs> prayer arrows. You say so many things that I'm like, where do I go from here? <laughs> <laughs> you make so much sense. A question that I have about the way that you just talked about integrating plant medicine property and properly. Um, do you think that there's a uh, misinformation on using psychedelics because there's so many people that are like, Hey, it's the weekend. Let me just grab and eat the shrooms really quick and, you know, dive on in and make stuff look super pretty. Mm-hmm. And then they go back into their life and they treat it like it was just a drug. It was just an experience without realizing what it could actually do for you. Yeah, absolutely. I know that some people have that, that yeah. consciousness. I mean, it's always going to be, I, be, I believe that um, in most cases it is, is, is helpful even when people don't realize it mm-hmm. is, but it's all about intention too. If you take something with the intention to get fucked up and to party and have fun then maybe that's what will happen if you take it with the intention of like healing or communion then maybe that's what will happen um it's (laughs) you know (laughs) so it it, they're very very different different contexts absolutely i mean you're right it's all about intent the story that popped up in my mind was um i got offered shrooms i think i was 20 And we went out to this um, farm that one of our friends owned. And it was like, it was a huge piece of property, but we knew that we were safe there. Mm -hmm. We parked my car right next to a field and we just um, turned a playlist on my car and turned all the music out loud, opened all the doors and the windows. And we all took the shrooms and stayed together. And we're like, okay, whenever yours kicks in, go. And we set up parameters. You can't go here. You can't go here. You can't go here. 
Did you think that was going to work? It did work. It did work. Okay. It did. We, it was, it was very intentional. Like mm-hmm. we don't leave the property. We had already, we were all familiar with the property. We mm-hmm. knew if you crossed a line, you were going to ruin it for everybody. You know, we were out in the middle of the country. You had the sky, you had the fields, you had God, everything. Mm-hmm. So, um, I start walking away from the car cause you know, the trip is starting mm-hmm. and I was going to connect because I knew just like your story, you're like, something's not right. Mm-hmm. You know, I need to go find this. I need to lift these blocks. And I find myself climbing on top of a tractor, like a very tall tractor. I'm scared of heights. So then I'm sitting on top of this tractor and I was like, oh, this is how people die on psychedelics. <laughs> right. You know, because they're like, I can fly. And I know I can't fly, but why, why all of a sudden am I not scared of heights? Mm-hmm. Like, why am I okay with sitting up here? So I'm sitting in Indian style on this tractor and Jesus is my favorite one to talk to. And I sat there and I went, oh, my parents are probably really disappointed if they knew what I was doing right now. I'm sitting on a tractor high as fuck. But hey, I'm talking to Jesus and he's not judging me, you know? <laughs> so I'm sitting here and I'm having this conversation and it's a conversation with, with myself where I'm like, shy, you're not doing good. And we need to figure out why we keep going back to the things that we keep going back to that we know we're supposed to break away from. It wasn't like a drug addiction. It was more like a bad relationship that I just couldn't get out of. I call it a karmic contract to make it relatable. And I'm sitting here and I'm having like these transmissions with Jesus that I can't honestly put into a verbal thing. I just know like sitting on that tractor, like something woke up in me. It was like the golden seed that gets planted. This was one of my first golden seeds. And then um, you can hear the music flowing in and out of your experience. And 311 Amber comes on. (laughs) And all I hear through through the field, cutting through the field, cutting through the sky. I just hear the, whoa, amber is the color of your energy. Whoa. Yeah. And I, and then immediately when I, when he said amber, like the sky turned amber mm. and I, and I obviously wanted it to be like, yeah, th- these are some really good shrooms, but I, all, the, I was overridden. They're like, no, this is, this is the freedom away from your blocks. This is, this is consciousness. This is universal consciousness. You can, you can manifest, you can dream anything up. And I'm using terminology now that I wasn't educated enough with then. So I'm sitting here on top of this tractor and I slowly start like moving my hips, rocking back and forth and dancing. And I just feel like this fluidity in my body that I wasn't allowed to have when I was sober. I was like stone. I had armor on me, so to speak, every time I went. And I remember like feeling how fun it used to be to like dance and to sing and the freedom in it. And then immediately I get pulled back and I'm like, you're dancing on top of a tractor and you're scared of heights. We should probably get down because this is how people die on psychedelics. They, they're they not in their full body and they're like, oh, I'm totally taken care of. So I jumped off the tractor and when I jumped off the tractor um, from the top, makes total sense, <laughs> I landed on a rock that cut my foot completely mm-hmm. open on the bottom. Um, so the tractor's here and the place with the first aid kit is here Mm -hmm. and it's like really hot outside too, but I didn't feel my foot be cut. I just knew that I needed to go, um, run it under some water and probably tape it up. So I'm walking, I'm walking over gravel. I'm walking over glass. I'm walking over a bunch of stuff that even barefoot uninjured, you know, you'd be like, "Eh, ah, ah, 
But I was like completely supported in this walk back to the first aid kit. And I was like laughing. I was like, Jesus, look at me. I'm so human right now. I jumped off of a tractor. Oh, this is so great. I make it into the place where the first aid kit is. And um, like I called her my little sister at the time. She's one of my best friends. Um, but my little sister just happened to like walk in at the same time. And she looked at me and I look like a dog with a hurt paw because my legs up and she goes, what did you do? And I went, I jumped off a tractor and I think I messed my foot up, but I can't feel anything. So we should like wash it up and like patch it up because like I'm an alien right now is how I feel. I'm like, oh, mm-hmm. I messed my vessel up. So I'm sitting there and we're laughing hysterically as we clean my foot. And then I go and grab socks and Ugg boots out of my car. And it's like 100 degrees outside. And now I've finished my trip in Ugg boots. <laughs> and I find my way like to the top of a silo. And again, I talk to the sky and I talked to the earth and it was really, really transformative for me because it was my first time actually having intention in plant medicine and not just, oh yeah, let's just go like make stuff look pretty and get fucked up, so to speak. So like that was my golden seed moment is mm-hmm. sitting on top of this tractor and knowing that there is more out there, but also feeling the guilt that I needed psilocybin to connect me there because I was so blocked and convoluted with my own trauma and things mm-hmm. that I didn't want to see. Beautiful. That's that's my trippy story. I did uh, wake up on top of the car, like the sunrise had come over the field, and I was like, "This this is exactly where I want to be right now." And I remember feeling so clear and so healed that I started doing it every six weeks. I'm like, "Oh, I'm feeling a little blocked. Let's go. Let's go talk to Shy. Let's go talk to Shy." But now coming back into wanting to learn plant medicine, I didn't want to build that pathway to the divine only through psilocybin. Or ayahuasca or anything right. like that. I wanted I wanted it to be like me with my guides and all of that. But mm-hmm. I do remember going back and needing to kind of be broken. So if somebody offers you shrooms, just make sure they offer you a safe place to do them is probably my disclaimer. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. What else? <laughs> There's still so much, but I feel like we're still wrapping up. What other um, modalities or paths have you traveled on that you've found helpful on your journey? Hmm. Well, I, I think we've covered we've covered Buddhism, <laughs> we've covered uh, Hatha Yoga, Bhakti Yoga a little bit. Um. Yeah, the indigenous traditions with the plants and and just the universality of the chants. Um. But yeah, more than anything, it's the the listening and the harmonizing with the earth. Um, there's, you know, there's a universal kind of human religion, I believe, that we all know in our hearts. Um, it's something that especially um, those of, um, that are not of what we would call indigenous descent, modern indigenous descent, have felt in the way a lot of us are drawn to exploring the plant medicine traditions, um, the different indigenous traditions throughout the world, um, because we lost something a long time ago or it was taken from us. Um, colonialization has, you know, been responsible for just, um, divorcing us, many of us from mother, our relationship to the earth. And it's not something that we really need to learn. It's just something we need to remember. And it's when we're in harmony with the earth and when we pay attention 
to the way things are. She's constantly teaching us. She's teaching us the way to heal. She's teaching us the way to um, be kind to each other, to be of service, uh, and to live in harmony with her. But we have to kind of, we have to pay attention and we have to get away from the screens and we have to spend time communing with her in order to, to receive that fully. But mm-hmm. it's right there. You don't need to be psychic. You know, you can just observe with your senses. You can listen to the sound of the wind. You can observe what happens when a tree falls and decays. You can observe like the different trajectories that we have available to us. You can observe the difference between a rock and a crystal. We have these two different paths. You know, we're in this duality landscape, right? So there's only two directions we can be headed in any two possible trajectories, the way I see it in this context. We can either move towards order or we can move towards chaos. We can move towards healing or we can move towards disease. We can move towards crystalline nature. We can move towards like entropic natures of decay. Um, that's the healing path in a nutshell. It's like just choosing a path of more order. The only difference between a quartz rock and a quartz crystal is the arrangement of its particles. A crystal is more aligned. Um, Christ aligned is the, mm-hmm. the wordplay that people like to use, which mm-hmm. I like. But um, that's really what we're talking about, Christ consciousness. It's an alignment of consciousness. It's a crystalline kind of consciousness. It's just bringing things into order. Mm-hmm. And this is what she's teaching us in, in these ways. Like if we just know how to listen, mm-hmm. you know, as we see, as we observe something decaying in the forest, um, there are all these um, organisms that are responsible for feeding on that decay. Uh, the organisms didn't kill, let's say it's a fox, right? We say a fox dies in the forest and we watch it decay. So there's all these worms, there's all these microbes that we can't even see. They're, they're feasting upon this, this rotting corpse. They didn't kill the fox though. They're just doing what they're designed to do. The fox died, well, however it died, it's kind of irrelevant, but it's on the path of decay. It's on the path of disease and entropy. You know, on the in, in our healing path, that's exactly what we're dealing with. And when I'm working with someone in a session, oftentimes I see very similar kind of energetics at play um, to what you would observe in, in something like that, like I mentioned in the forest, like the fox. Like there are worms that kind of like feed upon snakes that feed upon like rotting kind of pieces of of the field so is that know? what you see you'll see the worms and the snakes like in and, your mind's eye in there yeah and various various other things yeah mm-hmm. but it's it, they're really all just everything has a food source right mm-hmm. so our, our job in healing these these vessels is to bring order to the field so our field is you know we come in with a certain with certain karmic karmic imprints and things but there's also this layer this dimensional layer that is like what I would call a template of perfection, right? It's our original kind of blueprint of health. Mm-hmm. And we can actually pull in that information into our field and inform our healing process with that. But what happens because of karma and because of trauma in, in this life, um, and we, we cre- it creates these distortions in the field. So it takes something that was ordered and it turns it into disorder, right? And that's where we find disease. That's where we find psychological manifestations of issues. And Mm -hmm. it's just like a dis-ease in the body. It's one of my favorite words to pull apart for people when they wear their disease as a badge of honor. 
I have this happen to me and this is what I've been struggling with. I'm like, have you looked at the spiritual meaning of, you know, cancer, infertility, all of these chronic diseases, eczema. I, I had eczema when I was younger. That was, that was really opening. Most autoimmune just means you're literally fighting against yourself. So if you continuously go to Western medicine and they put you on all of these crazy medicines to suppress this knowing that your body and your spirit is telling you. Right. And, and Western medicine only knows how to treat the symptoms of the underlying causes. Absolutely. Right. So uh, what, what we do in, in, in you know, these one-on-one healing sessions are um, we're reminding the body of its, of its blueprint of health. And we're removing, we're harmonizing through sound. We're using a, 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 um, a healing frequency, a harmonic frequency, a more aligned frequency to bring order to something that's inherently disordered, that's become disordered or become distorted. So if you have, um, we have in, in, in vibration, we have this phenomenon called entrainment. So if you put, um, the, the basic principle of entrainment, if, it's, if, it, if you vibrate, if you have one vibration A and vibration B, and vibration A is stronger than vibration B, eventually vibration B is going to become in, come in resonance with, it's going to entrain itself to vibration A. That's why if you put 100 grandfather clocks in a room together and they're all, their pendulums are all swinging in different rhythms, wait long enough, they will all synchronize naturally. It's just a principle of nature. So, this is the same thing you see in like, like cymatics where they vibrate a plate with sand on it to see the sound patterns. Like mm-hmm. we're taking the, the sand in a state of entropy or chaos and we're applying order to it through a vibration. This is the principle of sound healing. That's mm-hmm. healing manifest in sound, Yeah, you know? Um, so that's the basic, that's the basic mechanics from. Now you're speaking my language. Music mm-hmm. is my number one medicine, no matter what. Yeah. I mean, science is mine. So. Yeah, science is hers. And I don't, yeah. I'm not to a point where I'm comfortable with singing yet and I'm fine with that. But just being able, like, even when I go to a concert, like, that's my medicine. Staring up at the, like, the absolute amount of gratitude that I have for musicians. And just, I, I used to have so many, like, musician friends in my life and I watched them struggle with the, like, I'm not good enough, everybody else plays, there's nothing, like special about me type stuff you know why am I doing this and I'm like do you understand that you're healing people and they're just like no like their blocks their trauma and their um limited view is what stops them and then I'm sitting in front of them with the eyes of the possible and I'm like please believe me like you are healing people just strum that fucking guitar and shut up another layer to that too there's the unseen layer of that vibration so they're they're holding this belief that they're you know, a piece of crap and not very good, mm-hmm. you know, like, and that's what they're transmitting through their sound, mm. you know? So the sound is a carrier wave that can, that has these higher dimensional frequencies and intentions and prayers. Mm-hmm. So a lot of the, a lot of the sound that we receive is very unconscious sound. It's not, we're not, but everyone is still always broadcasting at us at all times. So mm-hmm. some of the, he, the most healing frequencies are out in nature because mother's always broadcasting mm-hmm. healing to us if we know how to listen, but mm-hmm. in our modern society, most of our sound is unconscious. But when you bring intention and we bring in prayer into sound, you're letting that your love ride those waves of sound vibration. And they're received on a deeper level than without that, the syrup of the, of the, of the music. Mm-hmm. So talk to me about one stepping away from your own personal trauma the way that it's everything's marketed is it's about you and it's about your healing. 
Um, I know that is obviously a very good marketing point and should be for beginners. I don't want to like knock anything. But when you talk about, you know, the acupuncture for Mother Earth and what we're mm. what we're here to do and really getting out of your own way, you had a wonderful way of putting that. So, um, I mean, my path, my devotional path as I see it is not about my own um, personal advancement or my own healing or... Um, or in my enlightenment or awakening or any of those things. That's not where my focus is. Um, my focus and my prayers and is in offering um, gratitude and in offering love um, back to the earth, back to um, creator, to goddess, um, for everything that I'm blessed with, all the abundance in my life. Because there's so many things I can think of to be grateful for. Uh, and, and, and but it's it's not i'm not thinking about like what am i getting out of this exchange like it's not about my personal healing i witnessed that healing happening but that's not that's not the prayer really you know not not when i'm in my practice space not that i don't pray for healing mm -hmm. but within that space that's that's my devotional practice and that's what i bring into um, my group ceremonies is that um we're gathering together in gratitude to cultivate that gratitude, to come together as one, as we are, to be, to serve as those acupuncture needles in the earth, because there are frequencies that come through in these ceremonies that are healing for the collective, they're healing for the earth, they're healing for all beings. And that's the way that we can show up in service, because Mother provides everything for us. She asks for nothing in return, but what she really seems to appreciate is our prayers, our songs, and our dance. So um, in that space, I, that's the, why I don't call it a sound healing or a sound bath is because that's not how I see it. I do get to witness healing happen as a result of um, the energies that are at play and what's happening in that space and that prayerful um, vibration that we hold. But um, that's more of the after effect, right? That's not, that's not the, full, the full intent behind it. Mm -hmm. The primary intention is gratitude. Um, we're in cultivating those what what the what they call in the heart math institute calls those coherent emotions of gratitude love and appreciation that's again that's the healing trajectory that's these are um the coherences when you're bringing in all of the body systems into alignment and that's when we'll be able to open to ourselves and to each other so when we start in that space we can really open to those those um those healing frequencies that are coming in when we all kind of gather as one you know, unit of medicine. So um, how often do you do those gatherings and those ceremonies? Um, it's rather arbitrary. I do, okay. it, I do it when I feel it's appropriate. Okay. <laughs> and where do you hold those? Just anywhere that you feel called? Yeah. I usually places I prefer, I I've, uh, feel I resonate more deeply with spaces that are a little outside of cities and towns and things like, mm -hmm. like a big yurt is perfect, like out in the country. Mm -hmm. yeah, I've done that before. Okay. And there's also, I've, I've had uh, several ceremonies at the uh, Reardon Clinic, the, yeah. the pyramid here in town. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a beautiful space. So if I buy a yurt, then you can, you'll come and do that? Absolutely. Oh. Just put it on the, <laughs> put it on the country, please. Yeah. And, oh, no, I'm I'm from the country, so I, I get needing to be with nature to have that connection. And I'm already going to buy a yurt, but now I'm just, like, confirming. I'm there's like, just so much more space, you yeah. know, in, out, out uh, away from the city, you know, energetically for us to open up and mm -hmm. to settle <laughs> yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah i completely understand that yeah 
So I usually pick a song to like, you know, end the episode, but you brought your guitar today and you're going to play for us. You see how big my smile is today. (laughs) Okay. So before, before we set you up, I want to explain something that happened to me in my healing session. And, uh, after we went through a very intense part of it, I was laying there on the bed and it's not that I was uncomfortable, but I recognized that I was getting cold. And I'm like, this is normal. You know, there's a lot of stuff going through you and releasing through you right now. And he said, are you, are you comfortable or okay? Are you cold? Do you need a blanket? And most of the times when people ask if they can do something for me, I immediately make sure that like, I don't, I don't want to be an inconvenience. But in that moment I was like, no, I'm fucking cold. Get, get that blanket. <laughs> so I was like, so how now. many do you yeah, have? So I was, I was like, yeah, actually I'm cold. I could really use a blanket. And then as he's walking to his closet, like I'm, I'm watching him through my third eye with everything that he does around me. And I'm like, I wonder what kind of blanket it's going to be. I wonder if it's going to be like a light blanket that doesn't feel heavy enough or is it going to be like a weighted blanket blanket, and I'm going to feel suffocated (laughs) right now and uh the blanket that he put on me it was kind of like quilt like that's probably the best way that I could describe it and I remember he would like tuck me in where I needed to be tucked in (laughs) and I was just like so appreciative I'm like laying here and like my body's not registering this gratitude but in my mind I was like how do you know I want to be tucked in on the left side (laughs) how do you how do you know I want to be tucked on my shoulder this is just beautiful (laughs) and he sits down and I hear again my eyes are closed and I hear him pick up a guitar and I think I died for a second and came back (laughs) because music speaks to you yeah because I'm like and again I'm speaking to my avatar and I'm like is he gonna play music for us right now I swear to god if he strums that guitar I'm gonna fall off the table but he just tucked me in so I'm safe yeah and he's like He's like, hey, I'm going to go ahead and play a song for you. He's like, this is this is my devotion. This is how, you know, I heal. I heal others. Um, I'm making love to not only like your co-pilot, but this is this is the way that I connect. And he's like, so if you feel yourself wander, go ahead and pull your back, pull yourself back to the strings of the guitar. Come back to the music. And I was like, okay. You know, because like he's hitting, he's hitting some severe chords that I have in me, and he, I think you do like three songs, of like eventually, because it's all based on intuitiveness. Like if you need to keep going and healing, basically. Right, yeah. Um, and three is a powerful number for me. Um, usually everything that happens to me is in threes. Who says what's good or bad? But the three songs, I was like, um, this is in complete alignment. And I'm laying there, and I can see, I can see the way that he's playing guitar, even though my eyes are closed. I know what string he's picking. I know what note he's playing. I see the way that his head is leaning to get the sound out. The way his mouth is moving. I I watch all of it like a performance that I'm completely like right open in front of him, <laughs> and um. The song ends and I was like, oh, I haven't sat in front of a guitar in a long time and just like felt the vibration off of an acoustic. Yeah. And I forgot how much I need that. Mm-hmm. Like that really is a part of my soul imprint. Mm-hmm. And then he's like, I'm going to play another one. And I'm like, how does he know? How does he know I want this? This is, this is sick. This is the most positive, sick shit I've ever been a part of in my life. I'm so here for this. So then he plays another song and, it, I mean, they're, they're like, like private concert for the price. Yeah, of the I'm like, what is going on right now? I've never had anybody do energy work on me and then be like, I'm going to serenade the energy in the room with the guitar. I'm like, oh, 
shit. So then like the, the second song gets over and I'm like, well, there's no way you can go past two. Like that, that's it. Like the session's done, you know, like this is the wrap up. This is a on the massage. And they're like, ha, ah. you know, like that's the moment. And he's like, okay, time to get in. Yeah. And he goes, he goes, I'm going to play one more. And in my mind, I'm like, you got to be fucking kidding me. This is everything right now. Cheyenne, don't leave this room. Do not, don't wander to a thought. Don't think about what you have to have to do when you get home. Watch this man play guitar through your third eye. Because this is, this is your wheelhouse. The third song comes over. It comes to an ending. And I wasn't like so desperate to keep the vibration going after that point. Like I had like my manic phase on like the second song and then I was like, all right, you know, there's a time limit for everything. Like <laughs> that, that was your time, you know, good job. And then like he, he gets up and he, it's kind of, to me, it translated as like what they would do in a yoga class, like right after Shavasana when they're like, okay, you're going to bring the feeling back to your feet, to your toes. You're going to bring your presence back into your body. So I was already really comfortable with that. Cause I've done several yoga classes where I know how you're supposed to bring not only the prana go all over your body, but bring your presence back in your body to go out into the world and do what you need to do. So it comes up and I don't want the blanket off of me. <laughs> so he reaches under the blanket. He doesn't take it off of me. He reaches under the blanket and he grabs my feet and he can like, he can feel my feet moving. Like I'm slowly like integrating myself back into my body. And then you do the thing. That's my favorite part about yoga. When they turn you to the right side and you thank yourself for showing up. And that was the second time besides when you're speaking tongues at the beginning, the outro to the session was my eyes fluttered the same way as I came into the journey with him. Because we also did like a little bit of journeying. But I remember, and he's like, go ahead and thank yourself for showing up. Because we did a lot of like really intense work. Mm -hmm. So I was laying there and I was like, you're a fucking rock star, Cheyenne. Like you did this yeah. shit. Like you, you pulled a lot of poison out of you that you know that you've been carrying around. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, I don't know if you play guitar for everybody, and if you do, that's totally fine. I'm not jealous or gatekeeping. <laughs> and if you don't, you know, like, you yeah. just made a lot of people but, jealous. Yeah. yeah, but I have never been somewhere where they're like, hey, I'm, I'm going to go ahead and do this. And not from a, you know, like, I'm going to serenade you. This, It's not like a coming on to you energy. It's right. like, this is, this is also part of my healing practice. And music heals me. Mm -hmm. If you sit in front of me and I can feel the vibration from those instruments, like that that's my home that's where I come from yeah. I always say wherever I'm from like we dance and we play music all the time and that's why I'm like earth kind of sucks sometimes because I just <laughs> want to be at a concert all the time so with explaining that I know I'm going to get you set up to play a song but is there anything that you wanted to add on about what comes out of you when you play and how you really found your found your way back to that you know soul blueprint in yourself well, I think, you know, just in this practice of this devotional practice is really um, one of calling ourselves back home. Um, so even though, you know, I'm offering my love and devotion to something that's seemingly external, what is what seems to really be happening is I'm just moving more fully into the presence of love. Um, and that's that's really all any of us can really hope for, I think, you know. Everything else is is details that I don't even care to pretend to know anything about. Yeah. No, that's great. 
All right. So one more time, can you please tell everybody how they can get a hold of you and then tell us a little bit about your song before you take us out? So you can find me on Facebook under Nada Brahma and uh, nadabrahma.yoga is the website. And we'll have those down at the bottom so you can just click on them immediately after hearing this episode (laughs) and find you wherever you're wandering and devoting and serving. Uh, Thank you so much for coming and doing this, by the way. Oh, my pleasure. I love how it aligned and um, please, please take it away. (laughs) Uh, So this is a song, this is my uh, call to arms, so to speak, uh, that we can all take up our, our, our love weapons and wield them with the sound. And this is uh, based on a Lakota chant to the Hayoka. And the Hayoka is usually translated as sacred clowning or a sacred clown. And, um, you know, if you, if you do a little bit of research into it, you'll find accounts of describing the Hayoka as um, those that could not be hit by lightning on the plains, which, you know, if you're on the plains... You're oftentimes the tallest thing out there, right? So you don't want to get struck by lightning. <clears throat> so what the Hayoka would do is they would do everything backwards. You know, if it's cold outside, they don't wear any clothes. If it's hot, they wear a coat, that sort of thing, right? That's kind of the cursory um, explanation that you'll get if you just Google it, right? <laughs> but in, um, you know, in really meeting the being of this chant and using it in spiritual practice, you know, I find that these chants... Um, the more that I bring my awareness into them, the, the more that I tend to that, my relationship with the being of these chants, they show up in my life and teach me lessons. And what, what the Hayoka chant taught me was that this energy of the Hayoka is one of a dramatic force of equalization. And if you, uh, if you think about, if you observe what lightning is, is what it's doing is it's um, rebalancing polarities. So you have one charge above and one charge below and they're very um they're dramatically out of balance right and the lightning is what has to be so strong and so fierce to cut through whatever flow of energy there is to bring balance to those forces that's what the hayoka is from my experience of working with this chant so um and that's what's that's what is being called for in this time because um you know, those of us that are here to be of service, to hold the resonance of love uh, and service, are they, we have to hold that fierceness and that um, attitude that we know that we are imperturbable, unperturbable, whichever word that is, that makes sense, um, that we cannot be stopped, that our love is the strongest force in the universe, and that it will cut through any opposition, no matter how seemingly Uh, insurmountable and fierce. The 
Ain't nobody gonna give me down I got the magic of a sacred clown Dancing in the thunder and lightning on The mystical connection got me trembling Ain't nobody gonna give me down I got the magic of a sacred clown Dancing in the thunder and lightning on The mystical connection got me trembling As a second nation prowls nobody knows with the warmth of dancer written dead on that toes And none lost cannot be found, love's here to stay In the rhythm of her breath, the beauty where Nobody gon' give me down I got the magic of a sacred clown Used to know a power, now it's suffering So we come together for remembering As we're second nation prowls Nobody knows With the walls of dance Rendered on that song And our loss cannot be found Lost here to stay and the rhythm of her breath, the beauty where oh, 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 the beauty where Mark Peer, my mommy, at Junko, you pay. Mark Peer, my mommy, at Junko, you belong. I'm a pyramid, mommy, a chunk of your pay. I'm a pyramid, mommy, a chunk of your pillow. I'm a pyramid, mommy, a chunk of your pay. I'm a pyramid, mommy, a chunk of your pillow. I'm a pyramid, mommy, a chunk of your pay.